Today's episode of Slot Shop Podcast is brought to you by Vicks Dayquil. It is the holiday season, but it's also cold and flu season. Let's not shut down the world the next time you have the sniffles with Vicks Dayquil, your non-drowsy cold remedy. Whether you're cramming for the last few days of work before end-of-year shutdowns, or just looking for a little kick in the rear before a night out, don't waste a sick day or a night with Dayquil. Available at your local pharmacy. Welcome back to Slot Shop Podcast, a hockey podcast. We're back in studio. We've got one man that's that's a little under the weather, and we'll we'll check in on him throughout the podcast. In Arm Dog, Ross and I are ready to shoot from the hip, but uh, the boys are fired up. We're we're mere days from Christmas, but uh, the NHL doesn't uh, doesn't take too much of a break, and uh, the boys won't as well. So we will have uh, this week's podcast next week. Po- next week's pod on the twenty seventh, and uh, continue rolling on to the new year from there. Boys, as we always do, checking in. Ross, I think uh, I'm going to let Arm wait. How are you feeling? Just peachy, thank you. Ready to rock and roll. Army, get down to it. Are you, are you okay? No, I'm sick. I don't know what is so confusing about this. There's nothing confusing. We're just, we're just, we care so about So when you, you say, all. am I okay? No. Because it's unfortunate. And it's been two days of sickness, but I will survive. Is it sickness? I'm able to record a podcast, so it's good enough. Yeah, fair, fair. Well, we appreciate you uh, toughing it out for the boys. He's, li- he's listed as questionable in the podcast injury report, but I- I'm really loving the tension today, pre-pod. You know, Army's a little, he's a little surly. He's usually Mister Good Vibe Tribe, so uh, it's it's nice to have a little bit of a, a little bit of a fired up Army. So it, I'm I'm excited for today's uh, chemistry, keeping us on our toes. I like it. Jumping into the pod, jumping into tonight's schedule, we got a little World Juniors preview as we're about five days away from the puck drop in Gothenburg, Gothenburg, Sweden, I believe, is where this one's uh, taking place. We've got a little firing for your Ottawa Sens. Go Sens, go. Another one bites the dust. And then Devin Tays, after a tough 3-2 loss to the Blackhawks last night in Chicago, kind of called out the whole roster, the whole locker room, so we've got to dig deep into a little bit of uh, Taze's comments last night in the media. The always reliable loose change returns. Alex is uh, asked to pass along his termite pick, so Ross will uh, will step up for the boys and deliver another termite nominee. And finally, Saturday picks another close one as Ross and Alex are tied for first with me in third. Hopeful that we can hit a nice little parlay heading into Christmas. Boys, let's get into it. World Junior Preview. I think uh, the three of us, being from the United States, have to feel a little bit confident confident in this year's roster. They're opening up as, I think, the Vegas favorites for the tournament. Um, and uh, if you look at the U.S. roster, it, it shows. I mean, you've got Will Smith leading the defenseman. Or not defenseman. He's going to be Will Smith a forward. Uh, first overall, fourth, over, fourth pick to San Jose last year's draft. Oliver Moore, Frank Nazer. Um, Oliver Moore, ninth, nineteenth overall last year's draft. Jimmy, uh, how do you say that? Snugger, Snuggerud. There you go, Snuggerud. Twenty um, third in twenty two's draft. Lot of first round picks is my point about this team, and uh, and I could continue going on the list, but I won't. The U.S. is uh, is showing their power, and they're showing the young guns, and and it's quite an exciting roster to look at. You look at the Canadians, a little bit more of a. 
it's going to be a grittier style of play for this Canadian team. I think it's going to be one where we'll get into the roster. We'll get into uh, a Bruin that was actually sent down to uh, the World Juniors in a in a surprising move that we'll we'll dissect a little bit. But the Canadians, they're going to have to rely on a harder-fought 60-minute game, a little bit more of doing the dirty things rather than relying on that skill um, where you look at last year's roster with Fantilli and Bedard. It goes to uh, uh, Geeky, Connor Geeky of, of Arizona, Easton Cohen of Toronto and Matthew Savoy of Buffalo are the big guns on that first line. Uh, some questions from there out forward. Matthew Patra is the Boston Bruin we uh, we referred to. It's an interesting one. A guy who's played in 25-plus games at this point. Um, he will step into the Canadian roster as, uh, as Boston elected to send him to the World Juniors. Instant reaction, boys. I'll start. You know, he's a Boston Bruin. Um do you guys have any like personal experience knowing about your teams and following uh, prospects that make the team as eighteen-year-olds and then go down, you know, as under twenties yes. and, and play in the World Juniors and get development? Who with? Uh, Kirby Doc breaking his wrist in the World Juniors. Okay, there's one example. Army. No, not really with World Juniors. I've seen them go down to like minor leagues, get a stint at the beginning of the year. All right, so you know, Patra came out of the gates looking really great. Um, I, I kind of gave his player comp sort of a, a grittier, less less uh, le- less productive Matthew Barzal type. Um, he'd been playing center for the Bruins and sticking his nose in the dirty areas, making some skill plays. Really, you know, all two hundred feet looked really good early. He's hit a little bit of rookie doldrums, right, which is somewhat to be expected with the NHL schedule. Um, he had you know gotten gotten benched a little bit, you know, not like show you up benched, but like. Every other shift, second half of a game with a lead, um, and you know they decide to send him down to be the one you know NHL player under twenty to play for Canada in in, uh, in, in this tournament. So, you know, I, I just I'm I'm a little torn on it. Uh, part of me is thinking you know he's a contributor on this Bruins team, and you know it's the National Hockey League. It's not you know it's not university. It's not a development league. It's the NHL. So what are we doing here? But, you know, I've been kind of talked off the cliff a little bit from my buddies at home. This could be a good way for him to kind of build some confidence, be the man down there. You know, you, you spend 20 or so games in the NHL and you go down and you talk to all these guys that are yet to get there. Everybody's, you know, going to be at his locker stall asking and learning about everything. So you can just kind of imagine how that would feel as a 18, 19 year old that's broken into the NHL and now has a chance to go play with your, you know, people that you've grown up playing with um, in, you know, the, the best, the best junior tournament in the world, but he should be a standout player. So I don't know. I, you know, we're going to get to the Bruins in a bit and some of their um, issues. And I, I don't, he's not like the solution to those things. So my initial reaction was like, what are we doing? He's needed with the big club, but I, I'm starting to warm to the idea of letting him go, you know, hopefully have a great tournament and come back with a boatload of confidence and, and, and ready to rock and roll. But I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on him. And I, anything less than a standout performance would be, would be a disappointment. And I, I would definitely second guess it. Definitely a little bit of an eye opener, knowing that the center depth for the Bruins is not necessarily, it's not bad by any means, but it's, it's a little shaky at some points. And, and if you look at the ice time, I know we're not going to spend too much time on it. His, his ice time has decreased since the start of the season, so it gives him obviously a, a way to be the number one guy on this Canadian team, playing big minutes, playing important roles. So I, I, I like this, the thought of that, but definitely a little strange when you've got a guy who's been up for 25 games. 
the Patra thing, right? It's sort of near and dear, and it is a, a bit of a storyline around this. But just like for our listeners, if you're not super familiar with the World Junior like, Championships, it's the under 20 World Championships. It's the number one showcase of the top end talent that's yet to enter the NHL. A lot of these guys have been drafted. A few have not yet. Um, and it's like the number one. It, it's kind of like college bowl game season um for college football but for hockey we get a chance to see all the swedes Finns, russians well not russians i guess this year um but you get to see all of the big hockey powerhouse nations uh you know top junior talent and you know playing in the most high stakes tournament it's it's a best on best prospects tournament that has a huge impact on draft status and is some of the best insight into the guys that your team has picked and where they're trending and how they're doing because a number of these guys are being the NHL next year. I mean, especially the teams that we focus on, right? U.S., Canada, uh, Army. I don't know if you know some of the Swedes, but, um, you know, it's it's going to be a very North America tilted analysis, but it, it's a great tournament um, it, it, because it's in Sweden, right? You're going to have some early, uh, early games on the schedule. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for the TV schedule. We're not going to get into that, but it's a good way to sneak in some hockey over over the break. If you know you're up early and you know maybe work's not buzzing, or you know your your family, other people are kind of kicking off the cobwebs. You can watch some really really high end hockey and incredible skill on the uh, on the Olympic sized ice, which is in lieu of a best on best Olympics, which I'm not going to ramp about uh, rant about today. It's uh, it, it's some pretty great hockey, and it's really exciting to watch. And for Canada. It's like the Super Bowl rolled into one. Um, and for every other country that's a big hockey powerhouse, it's like the opportunity to unseat Canada pretty mm-hmm. much, right? I mean, anything I said you disagree with? No, no, I think that's that's fair. I, I would go the step further and say at this point in time with, with where the NHL is with international play, this is the most exciting international tournament the sport has to offer, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, every year, yeah, for sure. Um, Army, I know you're ready to chomp at the bit. For this one, what do you what do you got on the World Juniors? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, so we talked about Potra a lot. He's definitely a story because he's playing the NHL. But just for context on how good this tournament is, I think if he didn't have an NHL stint, he'd be like a middle six forward for Team Canada. Um, he's not a first liner. He's not the leader of this team. He might be because he's playing the NHL. But, but like, he, was, he was a second round pick, right? I, I know yeah. this is all first round picks that play in this tournament. Exactly. I mean, second rounders struggle to make the team unless they've had. Like, it, it's hard. It's a tough team um, to make, yep, for we're sure. We're going to get to see Macklin Celebrini. Yep. He's the main guy in this tournament. He is going to be the first pick, most likely. Look for the guy with the cage on Canada. That'll Boston be, University. Yeah. That'll be Celebrini. He'll be in the bubble. He wears a bubble. Yeah. No, he's going cage. you got to look up his, his hang. The, he's going cage? <laughs> he's oh, going I saw cage. It. It's, right. it's wild. <laughs> well, we're going to notice him. He's going to be always the dude with the cage in this tournament sick because they're a little bit younger. That yeah, means, that means you're not yet 18. means he's 17 yeah. years old. <laughs> um, so that'll be fun. But then also we've talked about like how so many guys from the draft went to like BU or BC this year. Like All these Americans going to college now. College hockey's like at an all-time high, which is awesome. But one of my biggest issues with college hockey is the camera work is just brutal. Uh, like It's really hard to tell what's going on. Um, well, you can tell what's going on. You just don't get the cool shots most often because it's it's horrible camera. I don't, I don't know what they're doing with it's that. It's just not as many cameras. It's just not as much production. But it also seems like it's not even HD. Anyways, um, <laughs> they're all going to be playing in this tournament that does have good cameras and has good coverage. This U.S. team is loaded. Um, I think like there's already like three top five picks on the team. Cutter Garthier, Lane Hudson, Will Smith. The, the you have that whole BU line. Ryan Leonard, BC line. It's all yeah, BC it's, line. It's yeah. going to be insane. BU's big guys are Lane Hudson, who's going to play D for the U.S., who looks like a 
I don't want to go all the way to Quinn Hughes type, but he's a pretty dynamic mm-hmm. uh, offensive defenseman. And then Macklin Celebrini playing for Canada. That's a rare That's a rare pull, a, a future number one pick that's Canadian-born that's playing at BU right now. Those are the big BU guys. The, the B- BC is, God, the, the entire U.S. Team roster team. is BC. What are they? Yeah. Six, they have six guys in a goalie? Six skaters in a goalie? <laughs> On the U.S. Uh, roster that play for BC right now, I think so. Yeah, it's insane. It's crazy. It's insane. Um, um, one thing that I did find pretty disappointing. I mean, it was expected, but then I saw a projection of what it could have been. The Russian team's not here, uh, um, and the Russian team would have been very exciting, particularly because of Matvey Michkov. I heard to see him. He's actually had some pneumonia, and he hasn't yeah, played he's in a few out, weeks. He's out right now. Um, so he he wouldn't be available. But he's a point per game player though, up in up in the K. Yeah. No. 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 I'm, but there's a lot of players for there's, sure. For there's sure. Tons and there's major hockey yeah. nation. Yep. No, it's gonna be fun. I mean, you're looking at Sweden's lineup. Uh, I know uh, Axel Sandin Palika is a former first round pick. I, I'm trying to blank on where he is at right now, but there's Detroit. definitely. Is he Detroit? Yes. Oh, man. Where else? Nate Danielson, also of Detroit, is on that Canadian roster. So definitely some prospects to watch. A little bit more fun uh, fun, fun atmosphere, and it's going to be in Gothenburg, Sweden, kicking off on the twenty or 26th Tuesday, 6 a.m. start. <laughs> um, earliest you'll see in terms of games for the semifinal round will be 5 a.m. going on till 1.30 Eastern. Um, Brutal. But, yeah, Canada kicks off versus Finland, 8.30 Tuesday. United States, Norway, 11 o'clock Eastern time puck drop in Gothenburg. Should be an exciting tournament. Should be a fun watch. Uh, I know I'm looking forward to it. I know the boys are looking forward to it. It makes uh, makes the winter season go a little bit faster. And, uh, you know, I know it's bowl season, but this is something uh, with NHL. You know, the Winter Classic will be going full schedule throughout the holidays. Tune into NHL Network and watch some primetime World Juniors hockey. And, and just one last plug on it. Uh, we're not going to go crazy because nobody's heard of most of these guys. But um, Cutter Gauthier, Ryan Leonard, and Gabe Perot all play on the same line at BC. And they're going to keep that together. There will be a lot of coverage. If you listen to the commentators, you'll be able to follow that. Those guys are, like, leading the number one team in the country in college right now, and they're all freshmen, and they all play together, and they're all going to be on USA playing on the same line. So you're going to see some chemistry, and that's an exciting thing to look out for, even though it's BC. Correct. Any uh, final thoughts, Arm Dog? Are we ready to move on? No. <laughs> Perfect. World I'm, I'm shocked we didn't get more uh, more, more, more Red Wings uh, prospect talk, but that's all right. Well, you're going to notice them. <laughs> I don't need to say anything. World Juniors kicking Salty. off Tuesday. Moving on, moving on. It's it's been a theme. It's been uh, we're up up to four four coaching changes on the fresh thirty game thirty five game mark wow. NHL season at this point. As Ottawa joins the list, rookie head coach DJ Smith, after losing the fan base and starting to lose the locker room, he is done in Ottawa, replaced by Jacques Martin. Jacques Martin. Um, Jacques Martin. I, Martin. Knew, I knew that was going to be a <laughs> Martin, uh, formerly of uh, Chicago, formerly of last head coaching job, I think was in 2011, I want to say. Uh, but it's been a while since he's uh, he stepped in. This is a hire that Ottawa picked up, I think, about two weeks ago to kind of oversee the coaching staff and, and a little bit of the hockey play itself. And, and now we see uh, Jacques step into the head coaching role as the interim, potentially there for the rest of the season, to be determined with uh, Ann Lauer and uh, – and Steos uh, leading the charge for Ottawa. It should be interesting to see what happens there. And then Daniel Alverton, the loved captain, formerly of, of the Senators, hops on the bench after 
after a conversation last week where I was told I'm crazy that he wants to coach, he's on the bench, so I'm taking my victory lap on that one. Okay, but. let me jump in on this, okay? Because you're breezing by these names like all of our listeners know these guys. Michael Landlauer, new owner of Ottawa Senators, basically rescued the franchise from an old – and yeah, the guy died, so you don't want to beat him up too bad. But they've been historically one of the cheapest teams in the league. Landlauer comes in, and they're starting to – you know, trying to turn it into a first-class organization. Steos, he mentioned, Steve Steos, former NHL, longtime journeyman defenseman. He's brought in as the new president of Hockey Ops and now Correct. interim GM because they fired the GM and the head coach. Now, Jacques Martin was the head coach of Ottawa last time they played in the Stanley Cup final back in 2007. Um, and he was a longtime coach for the Senators. He's one of these old school X's and O's, um, you know, just an old hockey mind from the 90s and kind of pre-lockout era. Um, he's very old. He's like 72 or something. And they brought him in as you know some kind of a counsel. He had been around the team-ish just because he's sort of a senator for life. And, you know, when they fired DJ Smith, they, excuse me, um, inserted him behind the bench with Alfredson coming down from the front office to be yep. an assistant coach. Now, I said Alfredson's more on that front office uh, 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 track than he is to be a head coach. And maybe that was wrong, but this drives me nuts. I'm very <laughs> concerned for my sentence. I, I think, like, you know, I think firing DJ Smith was the right move. I don't think he was losing the locker room. I just, like, Army was all over this last week. They play completely out of control emotionally. So I get the sense of bringing in Martin to be sort of the adult in the room and to bring some maturity to the group. But especially when Barubi got fired last week, I just think there are a number of other guys that could have come in um, that are a little bit closer to being real head coaches in today's NHL than Jacques Martin, who hasn't, like you said, coached since, what, 2011? So it's just it's it's frustrating a little bit. I think it's— To your point on that. Well, I think it's the right move to move off from DJ Smith, but I don't Correct. like what they're doing with Alfredson and with uh, so, and, and with Martin. Martin has been around—Martin is a coach since 2011, and Alfredson has zero experience coaching in the NHL. I was listening to uh, Drager and, and Ray Ferraro's podcast, and it sounds like— and Lauer and Steos are still looking to replace and hire a GM. He doesn't want, you know, they want him to be the president of hockey ops. And with that being said, I think they want to allow that GM to step into the role and, and be part of that hiring process. And that's where I think you see Martin, Martin get the interim role for potentially the rest of the season. Yes, we've talked about, I mean, it's now Woodcroft, Evanson, uh, DJ Smith, and now Barube on the coaching block. And, and, you know, there's still more that haven't been hired after after last season, so the the options are are, pl are plenty, and I think their their thought is that a coach of, of a big name will still be there in the off season. So I think they're waiting to hopefully sure up that front office, make that change, make that decision as a group and and as a whole, and and go from there is what I would tell you is the direction of that. And um, and, and the reason the reason I'm torn up about it, Jack, is like this just feels like another this feels like another kind of another ingredient to another bridge season for the senators correct when the roster is good enough to be in the playoffs correct right? oh uh, no you're you're not wrong at, at all in that sense and uh and army i'll let you go here in a second but you look at it the results are you know they've got 22 points they're off a five game losing streak four with dj smith before uh martin's first game last night after blowing a 3-1 lead with 10 minutes left in the third period to arizona to the pesky yotes uh, so the struggling play has, has been all over, and, and it's been a tough time. And as you mentioned, this uh, this core, this group that people have had expectations seemingly for the last two years now is flopping again. And, you know, I think we'll, we'll pose the question, and I want to let Arm go on, on terms of the firing before we pose this question of, of are the Sens dead? 
Yeah, so on the firing, I think it needed to happen. I think we've been bashing this team for a while now in terms of how they play. I don't know how you don't get a new coach in. Probably sooner, but I guess whatever. They do it now, so good good on that. What I don't like seeing is last night, they go up, quick early lead, and four minutes in. minute and a half later, Brady Kachuk takes a hit on, from Matt Dumba, fights him right away. I, I hate it. I mean, Brady Kachuk just feels like the need to fight, and they showed they showed the video of him. He beats the crap out of Matt Dumba. Like, not like he was hurt or anything, but he clearly wins the fight. They show Brady, big Kachuk, Keith's out there with his daughter, Brady's sister, and they're all like, high five, yeah. I'm like, this is not what this team needs. You know, Brady going and bashing somebody again, taking himself off the ice, one of the best players on the team. I, I just don't, I don't support it. They're horrible. They take the most penalties in the league. They have one of the worst penalty kills undisciplined I, I don't know and then they go on to lose they, they blow a three nothing lead in this game the coyotes um I, I i'm just completely off on the mentality brady kachuk like i feel like every game i watch i'm starting to like it less i feel like that play only really works when you're winning and when it's kind of a detriment to the team and he's taking himself off the ice all the time it, it kind of just looks fake to me and it, the, the tough guy act is gone for me now so i, I hear you on that um so and this is this is bleeding into loose change a little bit but going back to that ottawa st louis game uh the infamous cry game um <laughs> in, in that game in that game ottawa was asleep and brady kachuk dragged them into the fight um and and he threw down and it was a complete wake-up call uh for the squad and i think right now what you're seeing you say it's fake and i I hear you on that, but I think it's totally sincere from him. It's just he doesn't really know what to do. He knows what to do as much as any, what, 23-year-old captain has ever known to do. But he he's 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 trying too hard, and I think his emotional recklessness kind of goes all the way down the lineup. And, and that's kind of the story for Ottawa right now. They're emotionally out of control. Did and we, Brady's uh, part of the problem in that. But I, I, well, he's the leader of the team, and he knows how to play a physical game without fighting and taking penalties. You know, you, uh, there's a completely different way to, to funnel that energy. Would which you, I would like a coach to come in and say, "Stop dropping the gloves every time you want to." What do you think of the picture on Saturday night of him and Stone or him and uh, Stone at the UFC fight after or next night they'd lose six three to Vegas in in Vegas. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, these guys can have lives outside of the game too. It, it does hurt a little bit more when you're playing like shit. Um, but like, I, I don't know. If I'm on a road trip in Vegas, I don't think that's killing me. They're former teammates. Uh, I'm, I'm not upset by bullshit. that. Um, I think that's bullshit. But like, Brady was terrible in that St. Louis game early, and then he had the fight, and then the whole team kind of woke up and rallied, and then he tries to do it again and again and again and again, and it's just. They, they need some other guys to step up. I think Claude Giroux needs to play a much bigger role in that leadership group. Um, I, I just I, – I'm kind of at a loss here, really, for, for, for how just out of control they've been. They've been a different team every period that I've watched. Um, and when they look good, they look great. But they – I haven't seen them string together 60 minutes being the same identity. Right. No, I mean, even looking at last night, it, it, Corpusolo, 34 shots – or 34 saves on 38 shots. They take a lead – Six, uh, three goals on six shots to chase Ingram out of Coyote, uh, the Coyotes' net before Vimelka, Vimelka? Yeah, there you go. Uh, comes in and, and, and seals the door for Arizona. And, and when you only have 22 shots and, and you allow 38, I mean, it's tough to win those hockey games, but um, it's, it's, been a, it's been a disaster from the sense. And, and I, I pose the question, you know, I think you kind of you've hinted at it. Uh, we've seen, you know, St. Louis went off on a run after a coaching change. You know, it, 
Uh, Minnesota did as well. Are we going to see, A, a coaching bump from from the Sens, and, B, can we expect them to try and make a, a chase back into this Wild card hunt, you know, they still have, I think, the least amount of games played in the league. So they're, they're that's, still... the only, that's the only thing they have going for them right now. And that was maybe the worst coaching bump I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, pretty much every team, the coaching bump happens and they win that first game. Uh, and looked they got... good for a period. Looked good for yeah, a period. Yeah, but that's so sense. That's you know? Yeah, so that, sense. the same problems they've had all year. Yep. No, I, I hear you. And it's... not just all year, last few. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sold on this team at all, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm ready to call them dead. I think they should maybe buy shirts. It, it seems like they play like it's Ottawa versus everybody. You know, when teams get like that, they're like, everyone's coming after us. So I think they should get shirts that say Ottawa versus everybody, and then like in parentheses below, but it's actually us just killing ourselves repeatedly. I was like, Ottawa versus everybody, including Ottawa? Yeah, but it's really it's really mainly us. No, it's Let's good. go fight somebody about it's, it. Uh, <laughs> it's a problem. No, there's no question about it. And with this core, as Ross talked about, it, it is it's they're they're just not living up to expectations, and it's it's frustrating. And I can't imagine how Sens fans are feeling about it. But uh, unfortunately, it looks like another lost season for for the Senators up in Ottawa. Which, by the way, and they just got in, like the Chickering trade last year was a big move to make, and it was a multiple year investment, franchise altering move. And that was saying like, look, we're ready to go. And I know Shabbat has only played nine games this year. That's a huge loss. He's probably the best defenseman on that team. Sanderson has looked great. Track record wise, um, he's the best. And maybe they're missing some of that leadership, but come on, there's way too much talent. We talk about it every week. There's too much talent. They find different ways to blow games. And and so I am now take cornered on Ottawa. And I think you should just give it up. I mean, but you know what? I'm 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 in the bunker. Uh, I'm in the take bunker. I'm not abandoning ship yet. I hate the I hate the I hate the coach change. We've talked about all of this, uh, but I'm not yet abandoning faith until there's mathematical. <laughs> well, I mean, it also conclusion. can't get worse. You've already like this is the low point to jump out. They on. played I would the least hope. amount of games. I mean, yeah, like they could they could make a playoff run and we could at least hey, say when you're in the last reason. place. There's only as you said. There's only up. There's now, always up. Now, Jack, we we missed something in our pre in our pre pod prep which is the Kairou situation, which I think we should cover. It goes off schedule a little bit, but it does segue nicely into Devontae's comments. So let, yeah, let's inject the Kairou topic here, sure. after, and, then, uh, and then we'll get to Devontae's after. Um, after a loss over the weekend, I believe, Kairou uh, had comments after the Barube firing that uh, he, he basically just said, I have no comment, he's not my coach anymore. Um, St. Louis fans the next night took that as, oh, I hated Barube. He didn't do anything for me. It, it was it was it wasn't received well. Kairu receives booze that night, and in a, in an emotional post game uh, interview, gets emotional. Uh, says he loves playing in St. Louis. Loves the uh, loves being there. Loves being around the boys. Loves uh, and is just trying to kind of solidify himself as a as a talented forward in in the National Hockey League as as he was uh, picked to be coming up as a prospect and. And unfortunately, it's been a little bit of hit or miss with Cairo, and and he's feeling the pressure of, of a team that is of of St. Louis that's built to potentially make a run at the wild card after, after looking at it coming into the year, I I, I wasn't that high on St. Louis, but um, they've made a run at it, and they're still being they're still very competitive in the Central and in in the wild card hunt in the West. Uh, Cairo the next night, the next night would respond and uh, would would score the game tying goal and also set up the game winning goal. Um, and uh, in in the post game interview, uh, let a let a few f bombs fly, and uh, was very excited, and and got a good uh, standing ovation from from the St. Louis faithful, as as it was an interesting week for for Jordan Jordan Cairo, and I'm I'm sure Rusty has a little bit more that I've missed, but 
Um, yeah, I, I want to take another stab at setting the context for our listeners, okay? Because <laughs> Kairou came up as a young prospect. You mentioned high draft pick, young prospect. He was like a young guy in and out of the lineup on that cup team, right? Him and Robert Thomas were like the two young guys that he was on the roster. He didn't play a ton of games, but he was part of that run. Um, and Barube was obviously the coach, so he won a cup together with Barube. It was very public knowledge that he had been benched. He had been seeing less ice time. He also signed a big ticket. Uh, he's just now on his big contract. And that's a big part of this puzzle because they signed him to be a point-per-game player, kind of their Kyle Connor, right? We've talked about that type of player. Um, and so far since the contract's come through, he has not been great. And uh, so the, the setup of the question was, you know, it's been very public. Um, you know, you and Barube not really seeing eye-to-eye. -eye. Do you have anything to say about him? And he says, right, um, I've got no comment. He's not my coach anymore. And the fan base absolutely teed up. I, the booing they did at Enterprise Center every time Kairou touched the puck, I was I was hysteric. Like I was hysterical watching the game. I've never seen anything like it for a home team guy. Um, and it was it was like not just audible; it was like pronounced. They were waiting for the puck to come to him to boo their hearts out, and it was really loud. And then in the post game, after being booed and playing pretty much like dog shit. Um, you know, he kind of broke down and, and he cried in the interview and, um, you know, he was just saying, you know, it's, 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 it's been really tough and he kind of backtracked some of his comments. Um, and then he comes out the next night and plays so much better, obviously contributes to a huge win, but, um, I, I want to talk, I want to, I, I want to just, just chronologically, right? We actually have Barube went on a podcast and, and talked about it today. So interesting. Finish, I finish your Barube. point, and I'll, I have the I have his line All right. drawn up. So my so Kairu's crying about being booed after the game. They won that fucking game. Mm -hmm. That's that's one of my big problems with it. The team won the game, um, and I, I that to me was a really bad look. Um, but it, it comes down, in my opinion, to basically playing a little bit of blame game. And I want to ask you, Jack, who do you blame for that Q&A Kairou had after the win when he broke down and cried? You know, I think it, it's just... Because there is a right answer here. You know, it didn't didn't look great for Kairou. You know, I, I, there's no question about it. And, you know, I, I, I don't hate that he's showing emotion, but uh, I felt like it was taking a little bit of... of of a hard-fought win and, and what the momentum has been in that locker room and kind of putting it on himself. So I can say, you know, it, it's a little bit of, of, of that, but also, you know, he was he was, he was asked well, the question. Well, 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 you could say anything, but whose fault was it? I, I guess, and, and I'll go to Barube's comments, Cairo, and I, I would say he got caught off guard, but I would say Cairo. Wrong. It's Blues PR. That's okay. Yeah, that's fair. When they make the coaching change, they need to brief every guy on the team that these questions are going to be coming and they're going to be different questions for different players. And they like Blues PR should have prepared him to answer questions about the coaching change so that it could just be a we're moving forward, yada, yada. It'd be really easy to say one nice thing and just say, yep, yeah, um, you know, it didn't go great, um, but you know we, um, we we shared a lot. Taught me a lot about the game, and now we're just we're we're moving forward. Mm -hmm. That that would have been, and it never would have been a thing. So it's Blues PR's fault. Uh, that that's a big thing to me. That's uh, fair. Other takeaways on it: the kid cares. Yep. Um, and I think that came through the next day when when he you know when when he played well and got cheered, et cetera. But yep. you know, 
he he cares, which I think a lot of guys could have just brushed that off and been like, you know, I mean, one thing to say after being booed would have been like, hey, you know, you pay for a ticket, you can do what you want. Um, and so it's it's not so bad, but uh, definitely not a good look, especially after a win. I, I, that really sat sat poorly with me. But you know what? I mean, actions speak louder than words. And coming out the next night and playing well, yep. he's still got a hill to climb to prove his contract worthy. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's got all the talent. So uh, curious to hear what Armdog has to say about the Cryroo situation. Yeah, I mean, so the contract's big, 8 mil. I don't think he's been horrible. He's a point-of-game player over the last two years, pretty much. So I don't know what they were expecting, but I think point-of-game from is pretty good. And before before the coaching change, he was not playing power play one. And the power play was stuttering. Like, it was pretty bad. And I was looking at that. I'm like, why are you not having Jordan Cairo out there? There's not really somebody else I'd rather have on the power play other than him. Seems a bit odd. Immediately gets bumped up to power play one after the coaching change, which I think is pretty obvious was going to happen. Um, so I wonder if something else was going on there that led to those comments. And also, when your team's struggling a little bit, power play's not working, and you feel like you should be out there, I understand how heat of the moment you might say something that, like those quotes where you're like, well, I don't really care at this point. Um, but, yeah, uh, tough to get booed. It was interesting. I haven't seen a player cry like that in a regular season game about getting booed. Um, Never, ever. And I don't think hockey needs more crying. I want to be on the record for that. Yeah, but I, I do like the he cares point. You know, I think like that that's a, that's a good aspect of it. Um, and also good on the St. Louis fans for at least knowing how to boo, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, they did a good job executing but it that. But like, it's, it's, like, it's good on the fan base. You, you heard those quotes, at least. So many fan bases don't even know that those quotes happened. Yep. Um, so, like, I think it shows. And I think everyone's kind of aware St. Louis is a pretty committed fan base, a good hockey base. But, uh, yeah, it was an interesting situation. I wonder, like, is it just a one-game thing? They're all happy now? Yeah, so, like, that's pretty much where it's at. And amidst, amidst all the drama and the tears... Rusty nailed the Saturday, back. unlike Jack. <laughs> oh, relax, relax. We'll get there. Barube hopped on the Ray and Dregs podcast uh, that was posted today, and uh, his comment was, he reached out for sure. Listen, I've got no issue with him. He caught caught off guard. He got caught off guard and didn't know what to say. He's young. A lot of these young guys get asked questions at the time, and they're not thinking like they should, and it's tough for him. I was happy for Jordan. He came back and had a good game against Dallas. Very good game, so he's pr- he performed well. He'll be fine. Good comments from from Craig Berube. Surprising that he's already taken an interview, and, and uh, so we'll definitely tune into that one and, and catch that one. Should be an interesting one. But, uh, no, it was definitely an interesting uh, interesting week for Jordan Cairo, and, and, you know, it was a good way to, to be able to respond and, and help him uh, defeat uh, the number one seed in, in the Central in the Dallas Stars. And, and nothing surprising there from Berube. Um, just taking the high road, class, class act. act. And he's been around the game forever, right? He's not a bad guy. So just because he and Cairo didn't get along doesn't mean that he doesn't care about him and also got to also keep in mind Brube is in the coaching market right and so he doesn't want the label of I can't yep. coach young guys and everybody hates me uh, which little, definitely isn't his right protection but, yep. um so you know I don't think you were gonna I wasn't expecting much juice from that interview but you know again just kind of classic Brube that's and, also kind of what I expected I think that's kind of what happened though I'm yeah. not even sure that they don't get along I like I think what he said is no. probably what actually happened well they had a real kind of falling out issue it was kind of like a Bruce Cassidy Jake DeBrusque thing there was a thing yeah okay yeah Moving on. The difference is Kairou can play, and DeBrusque I'm going to get to later. Motherfucker. <laughs> moving on, moving on. 
The Colorado Avalanche, as I hinted out, lost to the Blackhawks last night in Chicago by a score of 3-2. to two. The Blackhawks ended up taking this one uh, after a power play goal in the third period. That but, would have been a juicy Hawks money oh, pick. You're telling me. Uh, Devin Tace, the leader of the uh, second leader of the blue line, par- paired with obviously he's the bat or he's the Robin to the Batman of Kale McCarr, um, Stanley Cup winner with uh, with Colorado. But uh, in the media after the game, was quoted saying, "It's self awareness. We need guys that know how to play in our system, how to play our game, and know what it takes. We've got some guys in here that think they're playing well, and I think they're kidding themselves at this point." It's frustrating to play out there, and when you've got guys that think they're playing well and they're doing things that they're doing things that you have no idea what play they're going to make or where they're going to be on the ice. It's tough to play in this league when you don't know where your teammates are going to be. So that's where a lot of the frustration stems from. Colorado's let a two-one lead slip in this one. Uh, Blackhawks definitely an inspiring performance from them. Uh, my father was in the building and, and was loving every minute of it before he uh, took his trip, but. No, it was definitely a frustrated, frustrating loss for the Avs, who moved to four, five, and one on the month. They are still tied for first, at least going into before tonight's games, uh, with the Dallas Stars in the Central. But it has been some shaky performances from this Avs team. There's no question about that. Um, Lacar ended up taking a big hit, and uh, it uh, in the third period late, and it ended up with Ryan Johansson actually taking a roughing penalty in the last 50 seconds that put Colorado on the penalty kill. While they're trying to score and tie this one up, a little bit of self-destruction from the from the Colorado Avalanche boys. What do we got? I mean, we've been talking about this team not playing well for a while. They just have so much skill um, that it doesn't seem to matter. A lot of games, you know, they can just score at a higher rate than most teams. Uh, I think it's a pretty bad look for Devin Tays. Uh, you qu- like he clearly can't be a leader in that locker room. If he's going to go talk like that publicly, I mean, like, otherwise, why would he say, like, because his quote was like, these guys think that they're playing well. It's like, well, did you talk to them? Like, did you say like, oh, this is our system. You're not there. He's talking specifically like you look up, you want to see a guy there. So you know who it is and you know what they need to be doing. And you can ask a pretty direct question like, where were you on this play? Uh, And it doesn't sound like he was able to communicate that with the team, which I think is a pretty bad look. And then to air it out publicly is also a pretty bad look, you know? It's weird. I don't know who he would be talking about. I assume it's not any of like the guys who have been on the team, you know, none of these big guns that were there for the winning. So then you're, you're looking at the new additions. Is it a defenseman? Is it a forward? Is it, you know, who, who, who is it? Um, you'd expect Ryan Johansson. I feel like he might be the guy, but also Ryan Johansson doesn't really have that reputation in my mind. You know, I, I'm not sure he'd be that guy. It's, it's confusing. I, I hate the quote. Like, I, I really don't like it. To me, it's soft. It's like, go talk to them. Two things about the quote. Uh, So, right, four coaching changes already this year. So when you're a team that's not playing your best hockey, you have certain kind of clubs in the bag to try to kick the team in the ass and wake them up. Uh, Kick the team in the ass and wake them up, right? One of those things is like the closed-door players-only meetings, right? Mm -hmm. One of those things is firing assistant coaches, Mm -hmm. firing head coaches. Um, Another thing that head coaches can do is doing public call-outs in the media. That's another tool in 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 the toolbox. Um but players going public about players. It's a little bit of... That's some high-stakes stuff. And Devontae's actually has a little bit of a little bit of a kind of muddy history there from coming up from Quinnipiac and his rise to the NHL and being in, in, in the island. I think he's a little bit of a different cat. Um, and, you know, it's interesting you say that, Arm, because I heard the quote and I was thinking to myself... 
our preview of Colorado was Ryan Johansson is the X factor for this team. <laughs> Nathan McKinnon runs a tight ship and Johansson's career to date has been underperforming because he doesn't seem to be the most committed guy. And so I'm immediately connecting dots and trying to put it on Johansson. Who's not been good. Um, at 12 points in 32 games, and 10 goals. That's just, that's just not good. Um, and so I, I start thinking about who's not playing the right way. And I, I get his comments because, it, I mean, beer league, right? You don't practice, but it's frustrating when guys are just all over the place and, like, not not where they should be and not, like, ready for certain plays. And at the NHL level, I think Taves makes – he's, he's making a good point. But doing it publicly, I, I think you're onto something there. Um, and I don't think it's something that, you know, Colorado can address and can't get past, especially with the experience and the core group. But, like, you know, Nachushkin's playing great. Um, Rantanen and McKinnon, right? Like, there's no issues there. Um, but you start to go down this lineup, and it's real top-heavy from a production standpoint. Um, yeah, I know that the, the, the Miles, Rusty Colton, and uh, Logan O'Connor lines we love. Um, that's a that's a first-team all-termite line. But um, as, as, as an interesting little, you know, interesting bit there, Army, about, you know, can, can Devon Taves really be a leader? And... I think that's a valid criticism. I, I, I don't I don't like the move, uh, you know, now that we've kind of processed it and hearing your thoughts. I so I'm Bednar comments after the game, uh, says uh, the freelancing taste talked about is something that the team has talked about a lot of late, says the Avs have to earn their goals and they're giving them away to a p- opposition. Talked of a lack talked about a lack of discipline and details. Um, I actually kinda like it. You know, I think it's you know, if anyone's gonna call them out, anyone's willing to speak, uh, I think Taze went on record after a tough loss in Seattle in November and kind of had some comments about what the what the play has been of late. You know, yes, last week we had, you know, Rantanen's comments of, of Lekkonen and his father. You know, not that I think that's a huge distraction in this locker room. Good but point. Good there's, point. There's stuff going around in Colorado, and I think it's Taze trying to say, you know, boys, we are a team that should be competing. We are a team that is a contender. We are a team that is 4-5-1 and one in the month of December. We need to wake up. We need to turn on uh, turn on the Jets and start cruising. And that's not what has happened. So I, I think it's – you say it's a lack of leadership. I say it is it is showing a little bit. You know, yes, you don't want to get called out by your teammates in the media, but then again, maybe this will light a little bit of a fire in the the, the Avs locker room that, that gets these boys going. Jack, good reminder about the Rantanen comments and the – the right? So uh, Lekkonen, who we love on the ice, right? His dad's like a talking head in Finland hockey, right, yep. Arm? We talked about it last week. And so, right, he was being critical of Rantanen and bringing up Rantanen's offseason training and, like, basically talking shit in the media. Um, and I think that's an important – that's important context to this Taves quote. It makes me like the quote less, uh, honestly. It, it makes it, it – there seem to be some serious fractures there. And I, I had totally forgotten about the Rantanen-Lekkanen item. That's all happening within a span of, what, 10 days? Um, you know, right after the dad's trip. I mean, this, this also, is that's, that's a, that's a weird, that's a weird, uh, it's a weird moment in there for a, for a Stanley cup favorite. And, uh, you know, in, in the same week they traded uh, forward Thomas Tatar to Seattle for a fifth round 24 yep. pick. So it, it's, they're, they're making moves and, you know, they're not afraid to change things up. I think it's, it is, uh, you know, it's been interesting. There's no question about that. And yeah, I think the abs have what it takes to turn it on. There's no question about that. A little bit of health has been an issue. You know, McCarr has not been healthy throughout the whole year. Um, and, you know, I think it's a bit of McKinnon putting a, putting a little bit of the pressure on himself to try and to finish. And it's not necessarily the sporting cast supporting. So it's, 
it'll be interesting to see what happens here from from Colorado. They get to right the ship, actually, fortunately enough, against Ottawa. Um, oh, God. So it, in their favor in that one in terms of a matchup. But then again, that uh, that one could get ugly. Colorado Avalanche, any other thoughts on Devon Taze's, Devon Taze, is it Devon or Devon? I think it's Devon Taze. Devon Taze's comments in the media after their loss to Chicago. No, not really. I don't think he should be the one doing that, though. I think there's other guys who can but make But they don't have a captain. Out. Landis Cog obviously is hurt. You know, who's who's going to, you know, yes, you probably want it's, that. It's McKinnon's team. It is McKinnon's McKinnon team, but he's McCall. never been Those known be two want. Known guy to, you know, yes, probably Nate Dogg is in the locker room behind closed doors is is trying to fire this team up. But I think, you know, Taze is taking it as. But, but we're, we're all in agreement. Colorado is not a Stanley Cup favorite without all three of Rantanen, Lekkanen, and Taze. Rantanen, Taze. Oh, without them. Yes. They well, need yeah, all three of those players. guys. Yes, 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 the, yes, yes, like yes. Th- Those are absolutely their key players, right? After McKinnon and McCarr, those might be their three most important players. Right. Other yeah. than Georgiev, who's been awesome. Mm-hmm. One thing I will say about Devin Taze, we talked about it a lot this year, and he was getting a ton of national attention as maybe being this dude, like who is just kind of hidden under McCarr, which he is. They've been bad without McCarr, just bad. Um, so it's clear Devin Taze cannot step into that role. And it's not that he was supposed to be McCarr, but he can't be a number one. Like he's just uh, – uh, uh, Pretty comfortable saying he's not that. Um, it's the Batman Robin, eh? Yeah, but he's clearly a Robin. Well, you know, there was this discussion that he might be also a top 10 defenseman that was floating around in the offseason. It's not that. They don't put um, out the Robin signal. No, no. <laughs> so, it's you know, McCarr needs to be healthy for this team to function. Yeah. And the reality is they're so top-loaded, they can't miss any of these players when they're already missing Landeskog, like indefinitely. So, yeah. Colorado's officially on watch. Uh, I'm going to be <laughs> monitoring them. Um, for a team that's still, you know, yes, they have two games in hand on on Dallas. They're still they're, they're going to be a playoff team no matter yep, what. Yep. Um, no, it's it's so. it's it's a question of how far can they go, and uh, things need to clean up in in Denver, in Colorado for the Avalanche, and and hopeful that they will. And I, you know, I think it's still a team that you never want to face in the playoffs. There's there's no question about that. The Colorado Avalanche struggling in the month of December. Moving on, moving on to our weekly and always refreshing loose change. We cover what has happened, our recap in the, the national for the last week. Uh, lots of fun fun happenings around the league. Uh, Kyle Dubas made his return to Toronto. Maybe a little bit to talk about that. I know Rusty's got a little bone to pick with his Bruins. The Red Wings are struggling. What do we got? Who wants to lead us off? I know you uh, you put your, your stuff into chronological order, so it might be a little bit easier for you to shoot from the hip this week. Alex, I know you got some stuff. I know you were sick, so there's a few days you missed, but um, excited for our always weekly loose change. Who wants to fire it up? It's a little out of topic order, but just starting, right? Our, we recorded last Wednesday, so Thursday night, watched some games. Uh, two teams we admitted that we overlooked this year that are sneaking into playoff positioning is Washington and Philadelphia. So, you know, Washington played at Philly Thursday night. Uh, my first takeaway, physical. Those two teams play physical. Um, and that's becoming a pretty rare trait, especially in regular season hockey these days. First shift of the game, Edmonton blasts Hathaway. Totally clean hit, um, but it was just got me juggling. Hathaway kind of has a knack for getting bundled, you know, for for uh, for a for, lot for, this year. <laughs> for for a pretty gritty guy um, that, that that definitely dishes it out. He's certainly been taking his fair share. Um, that was a, a major moment there in the first shift that definitely set the tone, and the you know the rest of the game reflected it. Um, the Caps D zone, I mean, they pack it in 
and they really allow a lot of kind of perimeter possession stuff. But um, you know, they're they're playing a really kind of conservative D zone, and you know, with the goaltending that they're getting from the the duo there of uh, Kemper and CFL Charlie Fucking Lindgren um, <laughs> is is is. is Pretty outstanding. Um, it, it doesn't look great, but it keeps the damn puck out of the net. Um, you know, Philly's first goal was a fluky bounce. Um, like I said, Lindgren was just Bobby awesome. Brink. And you know, then the that that line that we've talked about a little bit now: um, Michael Protus and Mantha. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Sealer, mm-hmm. uh, Sealer, the the Philly defenseman. He gets he gets kind of stuck in his own D zone. There's a battle in the corner. He thinks the puck's going behind the net, so he starts. To, he takes two steps behind the net. All of a sudden, uh, his D partner loses the puck and goes to McMichael right in front. He tucks that in. My other big takeaway, and I saw that TJ Oshie was put on um, put on injured reserve with a lower body. He is having a really tough go. Mm. Um, this is the first time he's been out of the lineup this year for a stretch. He's played the majority of their games. He's got something like two goals and two assists, um, and he just looked terrible. He took a pair of brutal... Uh, penalties, excuse me. Um, he wasn't moving well. He was fighting the puck, and for a guy that we know is such a legend in the shootout and has such tremendous skill, and you know his entire career has been about doing the little things and playing hard hockey. Um, it, it was really upsetting to kind of see where he's at, but maybe that was some injury stuff that's been lingering. Um, we hope that Oshie mm-hmm. can kind of get it back on the rails and continue his excellent career. It would be pretty scary if you know this is the beginning of the end for Oshi. I'm not saying it is, but it certainly looked that way the way he was playing. Oh, and you bring that up, and I know we've talked about Slovechkin, but now you're talking about Oshi. You're talking about the Sloshi. That actually, I mean, it, it's 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 eye opening, and yet this team is still producing. And and the big news I think out of Washington out of the last 24 hours is is it sounds like Ethan Bear, who is who's still not medically cleared to play yet, but will be signing with the Washington Capitals. So that's a little pickup and a little boost for. For the Caps as they continue on, they would end up uh, losing this game, I believe, in a shootout. They lost in a shootout. Uh, CFL was throwing poke checks in the shootout like a crazy person. <laughs> um, they end up losing. But TJ Oshie, get this: TJ Oshie in his NHL career in NHL shootouts, only NHL shootouts, not including TJ Sochi. TJ oh, Oshie, it's an insane number. TJ Oshie, forty-seven percent in really? hundred and two shootout attempts. Yeah. Do you realize how elite that is? Oh yeah, I mean. It's 102 attempts. 47% in 102 Jesus. attempts. Ridiculous. Yeah. But, again, he looked fine in the shootout, but everywhere else it was it was troubling. So that was a big takeaway from that game. Um, moving on, uh, caught some of Carolina and Detroit that night just a little bit. You know, Patrick Kane, it's just, just watching him play. You ever hear the term, you know, fighting the puck, right? Sometimes, yep. sometimes you're fighting the puck. And I, I trust me, I've lived it my entire career trying to play hockey. Patrick Kane is like the complete opposite of that. It's just he's just so he's just such butter every time the puck comes to him, and he's so patient. He finds lanes and he finds space, and defenders are kind of afraid to go pressure him because they don't want to look silly. And he just he finds like this little like nestled sort of like a force field of just like patience, time. Um, and it is just, I, I just, I, I saw that and I just got to watch a few of Kane's shifts and I was just thinking like, that must be so nice for the young players on the wings to be able to kind of see and witness and kind of learn from and also benefit from, you know, in, in real game situations. 
um, you know, that kind of impact on the game when the puck is on a stick. That was just a major takeaway of mine when I, I just I really caught about a period of that. They went on to lose to the Canes two to one, um, but th- that was my takeaway in, in but, watching just for a little bit because it's been a while since I watched a Patrick Kane game. I know, but you need to see like one or two shifts, and the game is completely different when he's on the. People don't pressure him. Hold, be able to uh, just it's, circle it's, back it's, with the puck. It's it's no one wants to touch Patrick Kane. It's, it's nobody will go next to him. Yeah, the Wings power why. play had been hurting a little bit because they started pressuring the half walls. Yep, Kane stands there flat footed <laughs> with the puck, and they don't go to him. It's crazy. The other thing that's uh, I, I've noticed. A lot of players skate like back post or into shooting areas that they haven't been doing when Kane has the puck because they expect to pass that. That Kane can make the pass. Um, so there's been a lot of plays that I haven't seen because they're getting to places that are hard passes, but when they know Kane has the puck, they're like pretty confident that if they skate hard to the back post, a puck's going to find them. Um, and it's pretty noticeable. You'll see guys that just come flying in that wouldn't do that without Kane out there. No denying it. No denying it. But uh, I think you got to look at where – you know, yes, actually, positive news. Detroit fans, Dylan Larkin back in the lineup, what, last night, two nights ago? Last night. Last night. Love to see that in the sense of health and having the superstars and stars in the league healthy. And glad to see that they avoided a, a serious injury for Dylan Larkin. Uh, JT Confer's back. So you're starting to see this Red Wings team get healthier. But it's been a little bit of a struggle fest for this Wings team. And, you know, well, Ross, I'm going to give you your Bruins moment. But, uh, you know, it, it hasn't been the, the boost that you would have expected from Patrick Kane to – to lift this team over that hump, which they seemingly got out of the gate so hot, and now it's kind of like, all right, well, we're we're kind of we're we're becoming we're we're leveling out is what we're seeing the Red Wings um, as of lately. So I'm I'm curious what you've seen um, three game losing streak, you know, coming off of their last seven. I think they're they're one in uh, one in six. So it's been a rough stretch for the for the Red Wings. Yeah, I mean, so. It has been a rough stretch, and part of that's because of how poorly they've played. But also, I mean, they played one game with eight forwards that Ottawa game when uh, Larkin went down. And then they followed it up with five games without Larkin or Comfer. Yep. That's tough. Perron's still on the shelf. Perron's still on the shelf. So yep. you're missing three of your top six forwards, including your top two centers. So there's been a lot of talk about, like, oh, Kane's been bad on this team. If you watch, he hasn't been. And, uh, and like, we're – the Wings are not good enough to, to stomach losing Comfer and Larkin. Right. Just, they no, just don't big, have the depth. Yep. They have nobody else to play center. Um, they're playing most games with 11 forwards. You know, Kane was playing 20 minutes a night. Uh, they said they had a scheduled off day for him. They didn't even let him take it. They had nobody <laughs> to play. Uh, everyone was injured. Um, what? Um, so they're not playing well, but I think this is a rough patch combined with an injury bad luck. What's difficult is they just they've lost two goalies. That's what so Reimer say. is the number one goalie oh. right now. Huso the other night. Huso's on tough IR. One looks like it's a lower body. It looked like it might be a hip for a it's groin. something. It's some lower body. Look great, but he's on IR. And then Alex Lyon has an injury too, that they say is like he's week to week. I know, and they're As saying of the 18th. They're confusing about the injuries. They say day to day and week to week at the same time. It doesn't make any and sense. Klim Klimbaum. Klim's week to week as well. He, so he got lit up. I don't know what happened. Upper body. Oh, yeah. But from that, that, that Radko hit, he's injured. <laughs> um, Radko's bar down. That, that train one. wreck. That train wreck of a collision. Yeah. Jesus. But I'm not like Klim. Klim, in terms of like his impact on this team winning games, is, you know, not nearly as much as these no, other guys. No. The goaltending is going to be a problem. James Reimer is your number one, does not help win any games. Positive. Debrinkit had two goals in his last two uh, last games, so you're starting to see him kind of, you know, he slowed down for a bit. And uh, and uh, when you got Debrinkit scoring, you know, this, this team is is on fire, and that's you know that's what they're hoping to unlock with with Kane and Ta- and Kane and Debrinkit. It was interesting that they started off the Ducks game with 
uh, Kane and, and Dabrinkit separated. They came together in the late in the game uh, through a uh, coaching change, but wasn't enough to overcome the Ducks, which I'm sure are on some of our, our watch lists. But let's keep rolling. All right, uh, rolling on. I caught the uh, Florida Panthers at Vancouver Canucks. Mm. Uh, Roberto Luongo night. It's a weird one. You, you can really spare me with all the Roberto Luongo ball washing. Whatever. Still think you got to retire that jersey. Whatever. Um, but uh, no, th- I, this game was on my radar because we've obviously talked a lot of Vancouver. We've watched a lot of Vancouver, and the t- the games that they've looked vulnerable. Were the one I had circled was the Vegas game when they got their asses kicked by that forecheck. And in comes Florida, who's playing great hockey um, and is probably the most dangerous forechecking team in the league. Yeah. And so uh, that was a game I was really interested in checking out because I want to see how Vancouver responded. Now, going back to last postseason, if you recall, we sort of dubbed the term bouncing puck hockey. Bouncing puck hockey was Florida Panthers hockey last postseason. And I think it still is. That's the way they want to play, and that's the way that they're going to play. In this game, Vancouver won the bouncing puck hockey with Florida. Um, they scored a couple goals. Building was absolutely going. Um, you know, It was obviously a big night for them. And um, you know, they ran away with the game 4-0. I thought the Panthers pretty much played well. They just lost a lot of those bouncing puck scenarios. And I think the score didn't show um, you know, the, the effort there. But, um, you know, Vancouver came away with four. And I was impressed with the bouncing puck hockey from them, especially Joshua. Um, had who, two in this one, who, yeah. Who's been great. And, and we also, we caught that, uh, that uh, Blackhawks-Canucks game. Do you where, want to go into that a little bit? Or do you want to talk? Well, yeah. Because yeah. I have some thoughts on that. Sure, sure. It's more of the Vancouver stuff, which is, it, it's, that, it's that Joshua Garland and Bluger line. Yes. They it, started the game. They actually started, yep. They were, Connor Garland was the best player on the ice that entire Blackhawks game. I agree with that. He had a good jump. And that line, like, Vancouver was absolutely asleep in the first period of that matinee on Sunday. Oof. And and thankfully, with some penalties, they were uh, they were able to climb back with a, an Elias Pettersson power play goal. But, no, I mean, it was – I think the Hawks had outshot them, like, 15-1 to 1 within the first 10 minutes of the game. And, and yet it was, it's 1-1 one, one after 1. Correct. No, and, that, you know, that was – and then they go into the locker room. Rick gets the boys going, and then they have a phenomenal second period where they score four. And, and just completely dominated the second correct. period. Correct. Correct. What do you think of the Pedersen or the Reese Johnson hit on Pedersen where, where uh, Zadorov ended up fighting? Because I thought I thought it was a, a good hit. I understand that's your superstar, but I thought it was a waste of uh, waste of time. Zadorov ended up getting an instigator, ten minute misconduct, and a five minute major for fighting. Hawks would end up tying the tying the game, tying the uh, no coming within one. Um, and kind of starting their their momentum of trying to come back. It didn't end up happening, but I was I was pissed off to see. I, I didn't love that Zadorov ended up. I didn't think a Reese Johnson had to to respond to that hit that fight. Um, and it was uh, and I thought the league responded well with what what Zadorov ended up getting, which was 17 minutes of penalties. But uh, no, I didn't love that. I'm just it, curious what your thought was on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you a little bit. I think it's part of Zadorov being on a new team, right? Zadorov's trying to make an impression, right? That's fair. Um, and it was kind of felt like he, maybe Zadorov was waiting for that moment, mm-hmm. and he was a little too eager for it. Um, but all told, right? It's a, it's the NHL. Like it's a fight. Like I, I don't know why he had to get thrown out of the game. I don't think there was anything super super crazy or outrageous. He got you know thrown the 17 in the game. And that's all well and fine, and it's not the biggest deal. Obviously, Vancouver went on to you know hang on and, and mm-hmm. prove to be the much better team. Um, I just think it's Zadorov trying to make an impression. A L- little too eager. Fair, fair. 
Nick Foligno looked good in this one. Continues. He has been really good for <laughs> them. unbelievable. I'm curious if they're going to consider trading him or hanging on to him. If um, they hang on to him, I think he's your next Blackhawks captain. Oh, wow. Maybe. Maybe. Not for long, obviously. But yeah. yeah I he's think a great, it's, a, it's a good turning point. One of the all-time locker room guys. Yep. Right? Son of an NHLer. Obviously, brother to Marcus. Uh, um, before we move on, I know we won't spend too much time. This is Vancouver started and ended up winning this one 4-3, but this is also a Hawks team that is so hurt and, and depleted. It's basically an AHL team with Bedard and, and few. Mrazek, another one who uh, continues to look great. He was awesome. He, I mean, he had potentially the save of the year with the paddle save. Oh, my goodness. To deny, Arm, did you uh, see the paddle save? It was yeah. it's insane. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I think that there's a target on uh, on the Blackhawks. It's Peter Mrazek. But, uh, no, it, Vancouver ended up winning this one, like I said, but surprising that the Hawks were able to hang into this one versus a tough Vancouver team. Continue on. I'm scrolling along. Army, jump in if you've got one. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Uh, caught some of Tampa Bay at Edmonton. Mm. Um, Edmonton, our favorites. And, you know. A little bit of a slide back. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, Edmonton is stuttering a little bit. But they've already unfucked themselves. They're, 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 they're okay. They can handle a little bit of a cold streak. But anyway. Nikita Kucherov. Um, he's obviously at the top of the league in points and charging quickly towards his second heart trophy. He had a play in this game. I didn't watch the whole game. I saw kind of bits and pieces. I was bouncing around. He had a play in this game where the game started to get a little bit helter skelter. Um, I want to say at the time there were seven minutes left and it was three to three at the time. And Kucherov back checks and stick lifts, dry sidle preventing what would have been for sure um a, a rebound berry goal and he comes back he back checks all the way works his tail off gets the stick in there disrupts the dry sidle scoring chance then comes all the way down the ice beats two guys and buries the goal to go up four three with seven minutes left and i was just like whoa like that is heart trophy mvp stuff um tampa scored a couple more late in the third that just completely iced it that was very bad goaltending by edmonton and this is the other one. And I, I forget when I jotted down this stat. Edmund, Edmington had 53 shots on net. And Tampa had 18 blocks. Jeez. With, like, a good chunk of time left in the third. So you advance stat nerds. That is, what, 71 shot attempts? That's fucking insane. And the fact that they come out of that game and lose 7-4... Um, with a little bit of a crazy scoring in the final few minutes. 930 but, save percentage. Still. But 53 <laughs> shots and 18 blocks. Like that just absolutely stood out to me, um, which continues to be the story for Edmonton. You got to think, you know, shooting percentage is going to write themselves and everything else. But, and obviously that's Vasilevsky who was doing he's, his thing. He's looking, he was doing he's his coming thing. back. He's coming back and he's looking, he's looking good. Stuart Skinner actually went into the media and, and took the big blame on this. Yeah, one. you think? No, I, I'm aware. I know. I know. It was you know 22 shots, seven goals, not seven a, on 22. Not great. No, there's no question. Pretty about courageous, it. but uh, pretty courageous. It sounds like uh, I know we don't want to spend. It, I get my information from everywhere, but it sounds like Campbell had a really rough week in, in the A and and also got pulled. So it's yeah, it's the Pickard Skinner show to Skinner's continue. Skinner's been playing well too. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Um, we 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 moving along. Keep, keep the train rolling. Keep her rolling. All right, Boston, New York Islanders uh, sat down for this one. Boston on the aisle. Uh, the Islanders are a sneaky good team. Yeah. Um, this is a little, little credit to my buddy Jack Mack for this. Just quick little tidbit. They're a good team that's a true goal scorer away from being very dangerous. And I can't help but look at their roster and think of uh, Oliver Wallstrom. 
and and this freaking kid, I, I've I, I've talked about it on the pod before, but this freaking kid, we used to watch Bruins games up in our dorm in Hartford, Connecticut, on Nesson, and they would do this shootout challenge of like eight and nine year olds back in 2011, 12, 13. Yeah. They would do that. They would air that on Nesson during intermissions. And there was this one fucking kid from New Hampshire that, or from Maine, that would just do these crazy lacrosse goals at age like nine or ten. That ended up being Oliver Wallstrom. <laughs> and you know, he goes to BC. First round pick, U.S. development program, all of that. He just hasn't figured it out in the national. They also drafted the Bellows kid, uh, right? Brian Bellows' son. I forget his name. Again, I forget his name because he hasn't figured it out. So they've kind of they've kind of swung and missed on those uh, goal scorers, uh, basically guys that can get you cheap goals, and they are badly in need of cheap goals. But um, that was one big takeaway before I get into anything else. You guys have Since anything on that? Since we didn't cover it last week, I'll give you the, the quick note of the Robert Bertuzzo trade if you want to say anything about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hilarious. Bertuzzo goes to goes to the Islanders because it's like the Islanders get more islandy. Yep. You know, it's just it's, he's just he's such an Islander defenseman. Not you know, Dobson's shown a huge step that we've talked good. about, but they've also got Pelic, Pulak, Mayfield, and now they add Bertuzzo to that mix. It's just like. Jesus, guys. Like, are you going to add more pre-lockout defensemen or what? There. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't hurt. It, <laughs> and I like I like Bortuzzo. It's just, it's just, I feel like there's so many other teams that needed Bortuzzo so much more badly. Uh, maybe they need to throw Matt Martin in the lineup and get our all-termite line back together. Yeah. This, this Hudson Fashing has, has taken his role. I've liked what I've seen from Fashing. He skates well. I think he's a college uh, product. Um, he plays really hard, and he's got good foot speed. And... Um, I yeah. did have another note. I forget if it was this game or another one. I think it was another one, but I'm just going to cut right to it. Clutterbuck. Clutterbuck's killing a penalty, and his stick shatters. And so he's just totally up Shit's Creek without a paddle at, like, the top of the box. And somebody fires, like, a seam pass right in his right in his kitchen. Fucking kick saves it. Angles his skate. Kick Save saves it out of the zone. Gets to the Lovely. bench. Uh, just absolute. That's Cal Clutterbuck in a nutshell, boys. <laughs> um. And Bo Horvat's been hot. Yes. He's been really hot. And that that can help with this goal scoring issue, but Horvat's you know, Horvat has more responsibilities than just scoring goals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's taking big face offs, he's playing center ice two hundred feet. They need that kind of you know, they need that that I don't want to say Phil Kessel. I don't want to say Kyle Connor, but these guys are hard to come by, that's the issue. Yeah. Not many teams have them. Um big time. Big time. So but they are they do look good. No oh, Dobson's maybe. been great. He's yeah. been fun to watch too. Do you give Ottawa a call? And I know Drew at this point in his career probably doesn't give you the scoring that you'd want, but maybe you give Drew a call. Claude Giroux is not going anywhere in Ottawa. That's just, that's where he grew up. He's, I he's, get it. He's I get retire. it. But he's going to retire a senator. I, I he's it. got a big no-trade clause. He's he's not on the block. Um, That night, Bruins were playing without McAvoy, without Zaka. So I'm like, all right, that means they're pretty much a below-average NHL team. They'll probably get two points. They did. Um, they wanted to shoot out five, four, um, you know, it is just <sighs> the team played pretty well. Um, Shattenkirk is a real freaking problem. Uh, Morgan geeky sucked that night, but has actually been on a good run of playing well lately, uh, which has been obviously very important with Patra, um, going down and being out of the lineup and with, uh, the injury to Zaka, right. Where, where geeky was kind of fitting in and. You know, he's just a, he's a little bit of a stumbling, fumbling klutz. I call him the third Richie brother. I think I'm going to start calling him Geechee because um, my other nickname for him, I don't know if it's is pod friendly. Um, but the Bruins are just a really kind of clumsy team in their own zone that game. 
And one thing, I'm not going to go on a full replay tirade here, but for fuck's sake, Brad Marchand ties the game to make it 4-4. They go to instant replay to review the goal. And I swear to God, I set my timer. It was a four-plus minute stoppage. And they come back for they come back from the goal review that the ruling on the ice stands, and there's a penalty on the play for tripping. <laughs> Where is the statute of limitations? Like we are completely out of control here. Human. It was. I mean, that's that is a complete perversion of what replay has to offer sports. It, it's just it's just ridiculous. Um, that was that was fucking outrageous. And then when it's four four. They call it then. Then Pasternak gets called for a tripping call when the guy blew an edge and he didn't even touch him. He didn't even touch his skate. And so I'm not saying replay the pasta thing. I'm just saying like errors happen. There's human error involved. That's why we love sports. It's a human event. And this this replaying is just totally off its rocker. <laughs> um, final point from that uh, Bruins Islanders game in the immortal words of Andy Brickley: "Quiet night for Jake DeBrusque. Indeed, Brick. Indeed." This guy is an absolute fucking passenger. And I'm going to skip ahead to last night's Bruins game, um, breaking chronology here, because Jake DeBrusque, I've already said what I say on him, but now that there's no Bergeron, there's no Krejci, you know, he was always he was always kind of complaining that he didn't get the opportunities to skate with a center. Da, 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 da. Now they don't have any centers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pasternak's proven he can carry a line, and he's – I also I also said and dug in my heels on Pasternak. I'm officially done bitching about the shortcomings of Pasternak's game. He's just so fucking elite. Like there's no and complaining to be done. How many superstars like that hit and get physical and get grindy and it's just. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's it's impressive stuff. And yes, this is off of a week where he had a questionable hit, but. Uh, yeah. Do you want guys want to talk about the hit? Or is that redundant? It's up to you. Who do you got? You got Lindgren, right? Yep. Lingren has had a tough, he got tough few weeks. So the thing about the Lingren hit, it's twofold. One, okay, Pasternak hit him as hard as he could. Pasternak also hit the, his back shoulder. He didn't put the shoulder into the numbers. Do you think he got 50% of the body? Yeah. Less. And that's where the Jamal Mayers, if you don't get 50%. I don't think that relates to the board's play, like how that play was, because... It, if he got all of the body, it would have been a it more been egregious. Worse. Correct, correct. So he hit him. He put all of his weight into Lindgren's shoulder. Lindgren's got to protect himself there. That absolutely fair. I think there's no question about it. I think the amount of time, though, that Lindgren's numbers are facing Pasta, that's where I think that where you saw the... But what Pasternak did was make a really hard play on the puck side of the shoulder to separate the man from the puck and continue playing. Like, Lindgren's got to be aware of that. He just does. Um, and he got tossed out of that game. Pasta would get a 10-minute misconduct, 5-minute major, and the remainder of the game in the locker room. That would be the only discipline he would face. And, you know, th- that just was what – I mean, he hit him really hard, and it was – Face first. Basic, it was a little ugly. It was basically from behind. But Lindgren I, I put, left the ice bloody. Lincoln tries to avoid this hit, though. Yeah. He stops. He stops and he ducks. It's been a rough week for, for Ryan Lincoln. But like, I know, but he didn't want to play that puck and eat it. No, hit. no. And, and it goes back to what we said last week. If you're going to play a long time in this league, you need to protect yourself. Yep. And same goes for Lindgren, who, who he dishes it just as much as he takes it. But fuck has he been taking it lately. <laughs> he got that right. Um, back to that Minnesota-Boston game. There's this guy playing for Boston right now with the injuries because uh, Forbert's out and McAvoy. Uh, well, McAvoy's back, but 
This guy Watherspoon is playing on D for them. He's just an AHLer. Usually when like an AHL guy comes into the lineup, you look at him and you kind of gauge his game and you're like, all right, well, he's obviously in the AHL, not the NHL, but he's good at this. Right? Yeah. Watherspoon's just over. Like he he sucks at everything. Like there's really nothing he's good at. Um and he, he's just like it, it I get that he's kind of eating minutes here in the middle you know in the kind of dog days of the season right now and he, again, he's doing his job and I don't want to totally bash the guy. It's just like I hate to compare this situation to Toronto's where they've got like four guys that are AHL defensemen. I would say you take you take your take your pickings and and you got to just True. Survive. It's fair. That's fair. You, you got to survive in advance. That, that's true. Um, Jacob Lauko. Great fight. Who was his fight against? Oh, uh, my goodness. Um, it was a good fight because there's also guys that were like 5'10 versus 6 feet. So it was like an. It even, was Dewar. It was, was Dewar. Dewar. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good size. Good, good fight. The Scotch whiskey Dewar. Um, Lauko flying around like a madman that game. Um, <laughs> Bruins were a little bit sleepy off the jump. And Lauko just completely got the entire like entire building into it. Turned into a really exciting hockey game. Really good entertainment value. I thought the Bruins were sloppy, but you know it, it was it was a good game. Um, but uh, Lauko was uh, just complete standout, flying around. He skates really well. Where's number ninety four for Boston? Um, he's that kind of fourth line grinder that is, is and he's Czech. But he plays like uh, like a Saskatoon boy, and I, I really enjoy him. He's also a Lord of the Rings enthusiast <laughs> and is a pretty funny follow on Twitter. Um, he took – also, another thing about his fight, he just came back from taking a puck to the face. So he's wearing a cage for a while. This is like his second or third game without a cage, and he's throwing down, pumping up the crowd, and just absolutely injecting energy. And from there, I mean, both teams were into it. This was Minnesota off of a back-to-back, and they were playing pretty competitive – and then in the third period, they come back and go from down 2-1. Bruins have a 2-1 lead going to the third period. Gets Minnesota at home. Minnesota's off a of back-to-back. And Bruins give up two goals to Minnesota in the third period. The Bruins are 29th in the league in protecting third, third period leads. And so you guys have been on me for saying, I want more adversity. I'm tired of the wins. This is getting too easy. And you know what? I'm standing by it because this is the same problem that they had at the end of last year, and now they're going to be able to kind of address this. And it, it's not going to sneak up on them in the playoffs because it's already up on them now. So they need to kind of find a way around that. I think the issue is they, the, they're they leaning on their top guys so much because there's no depth that at the end of the game they kind of wither down. And that's why you see some very sad, very, very sad clearing plays from guys like Zaka, guys like Carlo. They're like you want and need out there, but they're just they're playing so many minutes and there's not – um, those other reserves throughout the game that when it comes down to you know nut cutting time, um, it's just a dollar a dollar short. Uh, what is it? A, a minute late and a dollar short. Nineteen five and six six game or six point difference between them and uh, and the Maple Leafs with uh, with one game in hand on on the Maple Leafs or sorry one game up on the Maple Leafs at thirty versus twenty nine. No, I, I get it. I hear you. I think it's it's a little more adversity that this team didn't face last year, and then maybe it helps them. Helps them down the road, and that's all you can ask for. Because the goaltending has been, like, the ultimate crutch. Oh. But the end of this Minnesota game, and I'll, we'll move on from it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm getting close to the end of my Bruins tirade. Final sequence of this game. Jake DeBrusque, three-on-three overtime. He's good in the overtime because it's not real hockey, and you don't have to dig pucks out of corners or take hits. Jake DeBrusque flying down the left wing. Fires a shot wide off the glass. 
he takes a big loop a to big the glass. Turn. One of those turns that ends you on the as bench the, for as a the while. Puck, as the puck breaks right out for a two-on-one, one-timer to Kaprizov, game over. And for a guy that I've, I've said it a million times, but he is one, his career, he's so fucking entitled the way that he plays. His actions, and it's not like he, like it's not like his teammates don't like him, but the fan base fucking hates him because he plays such an entitled game. It's like I, I need a center to play with so that I can score. I need this and that and this and that, and then he doesn't get it, and he just goes into a little bit of a shell, and he's having a terrible season. Um, and you know he's not he's not adapting and doing the dirty things. And I, I've made the Hagel comp a million times, and it's like I think he's just as much of a skilled player as as Hagel minus some serious hockey IQ issues. Um, but he doesn't do any of the little things Hegel does that makes him so valuable. And all right, mm-hmm. I'm done with that. That was my, uh, the end of my little Fair. thing. Fair. I mean, I agree with you on DeBrusque. I think it's funny how much you hate him, but oh God. I mean, I see it when he plays. <sighs> it's like, it's like, it's like he goes out there. He's like, how am I going to piss off rusty tonight? <laughs> oh man. And like that, that was just like the big gaping like issue, but like the entire game, he's just a fucking passenger. And there are an awful lot of passengers wearing black and gold right now, and the fucking goalies are just driving the ship. And, you know, I, I still think, like, this, th- they need to get a look at this third goalie, Bussy. They need to get a look at him in the NHL to see if they can move Olmark. Like, th- that's, that's their only path to, uh, to very serious contention, despite the record. I, I know, does that sound crazy? No, because there's a reason I didn't pick this team to make the playoffs. I mean, like, I think the roster has holes. The goalie in defense can save a lot of things. Well, uh, Matt Grizzlick's having a really tough year. I, I know, but it's still a very solid defensive core. You and still have Pasternak. I didn't even mention my red alert notes. Hampus Lindholm is... I just... I, I feel like I called my shot last year going into the playoffs that Lindholm's not a playoff player. I feel like I called my shot. Turns out he's playing with a broken foot, but... <laughs> but... The way he plays doesn't bode well for postseason hockey. And I see this shit night in and night out. And it looks good and it works sometimes the regular season. But I just, it was just bashing me over the head in this Minnesota game um, where he's just – he's always – like he's got really soft hands and a big body and he's a, he's a really good, strong skater even though even if he's not super fast. But he just – he's always being so patient that when the game ramps up, he doesn't ramp up with it. And he's not good enough to, 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 to hold off the pace of the game, if that makes sense. So, you know, he played fine. He's playing fine. He's a really important part of, of, of the team, and that's what makes me really nervous. Well, one thing that's interesting is I remember when he was in Anaheim, which was pretty recently, but people really liked Tampus Lindholm, mm-hmm. and, like, the idea of him was great. Since he's come to Boston. He was a contender last year, wasn't he? He had a huge year last, last year. year. I know. Last year he had a massive year. But I, I feel like since he's come to Boston – People have changed their opinion on him. Like there was, there, I think a lot of people thought, including myself, that he might be a number one when he was in Anaheim. I think it's because people didn't get to watch his whole games. Well, that's um, that's nothing against Anaheim and, and Ducks fan. No, it's West Coast. It has nothing to do well, with that's Anaheim. Also it's West going Coast from Anaheim, hockey market. Okay, to Boston, uh, a hockey market. So I, I get it. Yeah, but I also watch like Bruins games are on when I'm awake. You know. <laughs> yes. Ducks games, like I, I can stay up for them, but like I don't choose too often. Yep, uh, I probably do too often. But that's I know, but I think a lot of the media revolves around that as well. And I, nobody's really been like, "Wow, Hampus Lindholm is who we thought he was," you know. And he had a great year last year. You got praise for that, but it's, 
I still think his general consensus has gone down. Like his value's gone down a lot since coming to Boston, which is odd coming off such a big year last year. I think that your perception of the perception of Lindholm is a little too influenced by me, because if you talk to Bruins media, they Lindholm's God. Uh, you know, but I don't hear anyone else calling his name. I just don't. So this year the offensive numbers went down, but last year he like got Norris votes and like was a real leader in the clubhouse for a bit. And there was so much to hate on that postseason choke that you know he he was you know down the list. But I just I just that was my note. Jack saw my note with the red alerts around Lynn. I just the goal the goal traumatic and 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 you know they they blew the game and they got one point on home ice to a team coming off of back to backs that they're better than no no, no Zuccarello. Um, you know, Minnesota's just, got a little coach boost still happening though, and they're a good team. But like Minnesota showed the juice in the third period, you don't expect to see out of a back to back. Yeah, and Boston continued this issue, and then Marshan had a great you know game tire with about you know three four minutes left um, that that forced the OT that you know it's, hey come out with some point. cuts in there. Yeah, um, uh, moving on. Rewind just a little bit because sure. I know we're past it. Uh, Kyle Dubas's return to Toronto, oh, the Matthew Nyes, Gordy Howe hat trick. I think Toronto fans, and you know, I think given it all, I don't know how much Maple Leaf hockey you've watched this year. I know that's not on your desired list. No, but, I watch a lot of Leafs, but uh, we haven't covered a lot of Leaf hockey. Is you don't think we have? No, I don't think we have. I mean, nothing's changed since we covered them the first time. That's kind of the issue. <laughs> no, that's fair. That, no, like but they are exactly the same. Yes, and it, but it's it's impressive the fact that they're winning. You know, they beat the heck out of uh, beat the hell out of uh, the Pens seven nothing in this one. Um, and it, it was an, an onslaught from the beginning. John Tavares hit a thousand points. Um, no, I, I, I personally, I don't think we've given Toronto enough talk. But and, my, uh, and Matthews on a seventy goal pace right now. Heart trophy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's like he's in the hunt. And you know, it, he's gonna have twenty five at Christmas. It's pretty serious. <laughs> Those are some numbers. Yeah, and he's and he's missed some games too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just. The just, you know, it, it's been impressive. Uh, you know, I, they're as much as it is. I think they're still probably ranked towards the bottom in terms of regulation wins. But the team is pulling out victories, and you know they're going to have a serious uh, problem on their hands with Marner and, and Nylander come uh, comes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I still I still think my only path to my cup pick is a midseason coaching change for the Leafs. They're pretty happy with with Keith right now. Eh. Check back next week. <laughs> Tune in next week, Jack. Uh, continue on. Sorry. Tune in next week. No, it's all good. Um, <laughs> oh Jesus. Um, yeah, I, I watched a lot of hockey this week. There's too much to really get. Can we through. talk a little Flyers hockey? Talk Flyers hockey. I uh, last night big win um, over New Jersey. Over New Jersey. Um, Owen Tippett. You know, I know he had the game winner in this one, and I, you know, I think this is a guy that had a little criticism and. Um, a little bit of a talk of if this guy could be a legit NHL star. Uh, I think you're seeing him start to grow into his own. You know, it, it, it's this Philadelphia team. You know, I, I think I had him on the outside of the playoffs. I think one of the two of you may have had him in there. They totally screwed our whole thing. Nobody. We all had him last or second on the Yeah, and, and it's just – it's unbelievable. You know, I think it, this team is, is second now in the Metro. Well, they've played a lot of games, but yes. they're in the playoff mix. Hey, even if I mean this team, we looked at it. All three of us had them on the outside. It's it, there's no denying it. And I overlooked them. I didn't want to talk about them that one episode that we did cover the Flyers. But uh, um, you know, I think it's been an impressive stuff. Carter Hart looks phenomenal. 
Um, I love penalty to, kills sick. Penalty kills great. Torts. 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 Torts is a PK. Guy. It's a vibe in Philadelphia. Horrible power play. Two things. Two things on the Flyers. You led with Owen Tippett. I'm going to call that out for what it is. That's the ginger union speaking right there. That's what it is. Um, I've watched Owen Tippett. And where was he before Philadelphia? Philadelphia. Exclusively Philadelphia. Yeah, I think so. Florida. Took a little. Florida. That's was right. Oh, That's right. Yeah. That's right. He got out of Florida when Florida got good. Huh. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I thought of him. It's not just because he wears number 74. I think his game's pretty similar to Jake DeBrusque's. Wow. And I think that playing for torts has brought a little bit, has brought him out of that shell a little bit in a good way where he's getting, torts is getting a lot out of him right now. My advice to Flyers fans about Owen Tippett is don't take the cheese. I think he's playing at his ceiling right now, um, which is good news for them. And this is a segue to the other thing about the Flyers. Heard Keith Jones on yep. Kipper and Bourne yep. this week. And one thing Keith Jones was very clear about is that the plan in Philadelphia is not adjusting to the success on the ice. Correct. They're still yeah. wide open for business. The plan is in place. And so I am telling – I am banging on the table. If you run Philadelphia, that's Jonesy, that's Briere. Sell high on Tippett. I hear sell you. high on Tippett. The Bruins Whoa. didn't sell high on DeBrusque, and now they're sucking it right in the. There's keister. a little, little biased opinion in there on the DeBrusque. There, sell I think high on you Tippett. look at it and you look at the Flyers. The big talk is, has been uh, you know coming into the season. Travis Sanheim was was probably on the outs. Um, Nick Sealer is a talked about guy that could potentially be looked at, and then Sean Walker. But those are can I, guys. can I give some Tippett talk before we go into yeah. uh, trade candidates? Just the tip. It. I didn't know this. Well, last year he had 50 points for a Flyers team. 27 goals, too. So I think that's that's a pretty solid season. Um, Jake DeBrusque career high. He has – he's a 99, and he's played six years in the NHL. Yeah. One year was only 10 games, but he came right away into the league, which I think can be – he was the 10th overall pick, but still coming first year and playing in the league is it's a pretty tough thing to do um, and has played a lot of games since then. I don't I don't know. I'm not sure he's like. I think he could be a 50 point a game guy. Like, I don't see why I that's. Loved, out, I out love what I saw from him. Another difference between him and DeBrus is it looks like he actually has an offseason weightlifting program. Yeah, like whereas I, DeBrus looks the same way he did on draft day. Oh, maybe there's a little more. You know, I don't know. I, yes, you could talk about the torts effect. Um, I just can't believe Jake DeBrus' dad is Louis DeBrus. <laughs> that's the biggest shocker. I'm sorry. All right, I, I'm, I'm not going to say DeBrus again this pod. <laughs> we'll hold you to it. Uh, no, I, I just, I, you know, even what they're getting out of Sean Couturier, it's, it's been fun watching uh, this Flyers team. And, you know, there's a little bit more built-up uh, built uh, news around this Flyers team. Is, yes, you know, yes, they've played a lot of games in the Metro, but we got to start taking them serious. Yes, they've played a lot of games. Yes, they're overperforming. Yes, they're in the playoffs right now. No, they're not going to be I mean, buyers at the deadline. I'm not a huge play a lot of games guy, though. I mean, they've played one more than the Rangers. Okay. Equal amount as the Islanders. One less than Carolina. Okay. I think that's right size since the last time they were. Well, yeah. they were out of whack when we did our, like, uh, Thanksgiving check-in. And yeah. I think they've closed that gap. Washington now. still has not played a lot of games, which is crazy. Yeah. Washington, Ottawa. Fucking Washington. <laughs> they, like, look like shit when you watch them. But yeah, they pack Washington it in and, and they're Ottawa. winning. I mean. <laughs> And L.A. are the three on the bottom of most games played. Um, Just but on, on Philly, Konechny. Sick. Big time. Big time. Um, stepping finally into that 
Only shoots glove side too. And one guy, one guy, one guy. I've been one guy. I've been really high on. I think I had a tweet that I pinned last year that didn't go anywhere because I didn't look up his contract. He signed for another couple of years. Is Lutton. Scott Lawton? Yeah, that's good. I think Scott Lawton. <laughs> this entire podcast has been built on the importance of third lines in the playoffs. I think Scott Lawton is such a perfect uh, Blake Coleman, Yanni Gord, uh, Barclay Goodrow. Like he is such a perfect fit. Um, for any team looking for that depth, um, you know, he's, he's, he's tied up for another couple of years. I think they really like him in Philly, but Scott Lawton, I just want to get my Scott Lawton love out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, final closing thoughts on uh, loose change. What else do we got? Let's see. Uh, Dallas at St. Louis. Uh, this was my Saturday pick, which, uh, again, the Jordan Cairo show. I won on, uh, I won on, we'll get there with Don't some worry. juice, unlike you. Um, Kairou, eight, eight shots, eight shots through two periods and a goal and assist. He was awesome. Yeah. Um, Matt Duchesne looking good, surprisingly, for Dallas. That's sneaky. It's been a really good fit. Is he on the league of men, too? Yeah, just about. It's under a mil. One and a half, under two, under two. Um, this is just a little one. Just, fuck is Nick Letty a smooth skater? <laughs> he's not the best player. He's not flat, but Jesus Christ, yep. can that guy skate? I, he's oh, going to play forever. He's going to play forever if he I wants I mean, to. he's been around since 2010, I believe. Yeah. That's it's, thirteen years, but he's got another five in him. The way that he easily, moves his feet, easily. Um, it's and he yeah. stepped into the NHL pretty much immediately. He looks like a figure skater in a good way. Yep. Like it's 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 impressive mm-hmm. just watching him carve the ice. Yeah. Um, in the third period, the Blues just got run out of their barn, and they just hung on for dear life. And Dallas but made the push that the, you know they're good enough to do it. Where... Bennington kept a minute. No, and I, and I get that, and that's where I'm I'm tough on this Blues team is where I feel like they're going to be riding, especially coming towards a playoff push, is they're going to be riding a lot in the third period on Bennington on uh, on their defensive depth, and and that's they don't, what's, they don't have great and I depth. and I agree with you, and that's where I get so scared about where where the Blues end up and and where where their playoff hopes can be, and that's you know it, it's that much more helpful that the West has been as open as it is, but. It, it concerns me about, you know, I think this is a Blues team. You look at them, I think they're one and done if if they make the playoffs. <laughs> Getting ahead of ourselves there. Um, just one last note on the St. Louis game. 90 seconds left. Robert Thomas drop pass for Kairou. Makes a perfect pass over to Buchnevich. Rings rings the post with 90 seconds left to go to OT. Ding! And I had a little action on it, obviously, for the parlay, so I was going crazy, but... Ultimately, they, they, they pulled that out, mm-hmm. and that was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, should I keep trucking along here? Keep it going. All right. I had watched some Florida at Edmonton. Um, just watched a little bit of that because the game got not competitive pretty quickly. <laughs> One quick note, and Matthew Kachuk was in the media kind of talking about his offensive, you know, slow production so far this year. Basically, his point in the media was, you know what? I don't care about those numbers. We're winning games. We're playing the right way. We're building something here. And it was it was basically – Paul Maurice's words coming out of Matthew Kachuk's mouth. What you mouth. would have probably wanted to hear out of maybe Devontae's. I mean, I know probably wouldn't have wanted to hear anything out of Devontae's, but that's where I look at you know, well, Matthew Kachuk. And you it's say, different because the teams are playing different. So it's Yes. No, I, I hear you. I'm just telling you that I think that's that's the difference of, of maybe the leaders polar that you're opposite, getting out of. Right. Yep. It's a polar opposite. Yep. And maybe even looking at Brady. You know, I think the 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 jump and the maturity that, that uh, Matthew has been able to have. And, you know, yes, Brady's only 23 still, so there's there's plenty of room for there. But Yes, he is. Um, last point, and I want Army here for this. Matthew Kachuk, through 29 games this year compared to last year, what would you guess his shooting percentage is this year compared to last year through 29 games? 
108 points last year, and I just bullshitted the 108, but over 100. <laughs> so I, I, I kind of have an idea of what it is. Sif, do you want to guess first? Last year was probably high 15, high teens is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say he's probably around 7% right now. So you're saying so, seven, 7 to what? 7 to 17? I'm going to say, he, yeah, I'll say a 10, 10% decrease. I'm going 14 last year and like 4 this year. So 10 we spot on. Arby is correct. I had a feeling I knew. That's four why and fourteen. Four and fourteen. <laughs> shooting shooting percentage king on this podcast. He absolutely is. Yahoo Sports has it in their app. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. The only guy I know that uses Yahoo. No, he I had the answers. I mean, they to have the test. shooting percentage, so it's yeah. pretty sick. He had the answers to the too. test. Um, <laughs> that was good. That was good. Um, there was a play. You talked about the Devils Philly game, but there was a play where the Devils turned it over, and polling went to Farabee. Who went back to polling? It was a like this give and go that ended in a one timer that was just absolutely sick. It was like, it was beautiful, um, and I just wanted to call that out. Did you see Frank the Tank's uh, tirade after after the game last night? Yeah, I mean, everyone I, is so out in New Jersey on Timo Meyer. It's not even funny. Well, Army started it. Army was ahead of the curve on that, and I yeah, I just want to give it. I want to give credit to Frank the Tank Fleming. <laughs> A bar stool, if anyone doesn't know. That's got to be so emotionally draining, like how every single game feels like it's the Super Bowl, Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, or Game 7 of the World Series. Every single game, night in and night out, he is, like, ready to... He declared him dead last night. He's ready to riot in a good way or a bad way after every <laughs> single game for all of his teams, including the Dolphins. It's, it's just like... Mets, Mets, have you seen him on the, I mean, oh, I've 162, I've it's, seen it. it's unbelievable. I've seen it. I've seen it. It's just, just, honestly, like, especially for a guy of his kind of stature and measurables, <laughs> the stamina, like the emotional stamina <laughs> to do that every night for all those teams. Like, he's he, he's it's watching, impressive. He's watching one impressive. of his teams or multiple teams every 365 days a year, and he's constantly, like, chewing on his little binky and, like, ripping his shirt in half and freaking out. It's just, I'm, I'm not even mad I'm impressed. I agree. Uh, final notes. I saw you had it on there. I hate to read over your shoulder, but Kings Sharks. I saw a bit of that. Oh no, my god! Honestly, that's scary. No, nothing to see here on no, Kings Sharks. No, nothing. I mean, it was it was a it was NHL team basically playing. It felt like a, a college team. But so I thought that was kind of a tricky pick. I bet Shark. I bet uh, Kings puck line. Um, which was a what, pretty... minus one and a half at. No, no, it was closer to minus one hundred five, something like that. No, 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 minus one and a half on the on the puck line at minus one hundred five. Puck line means they win by uh, two goals or more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, by, you could you could take it at an by one and a half. Um, it's you know it's a good bet, but yeah, the Sharks have been playing pretty competitive lately. Correct. Started um, in Detroit actually, or started before Detroit. But in this game, the Kings just absolutely poured it. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm loving my Kings pick. It's just a little scary. The... They might be peaking early. Army. Quickly on the Sharks, what are the – they started 0-10? Something like that. And they've oh, passed wow. – the, I think they've passed the Hawks. 0-11? Oh, 14 maybe. So that means in their last 21 games, they're 9-9-3? They're, nine, nine they're 4-5-1 and one in their last 10. But they, they're 9-20. and 20. I mean, they started 0-11. They might have been something like 3-14. and 14. They're tied with the Hawks. Yeah, but say. they've been playing well. And, I like, I've watched them a couple times, like, in passing, and they skate hard, you know? Celebrini tank is on. Two two guys two guys on the Sharks. Uh, deadline value. Ferraro. No, Granland. Yeah, Granland's good. Just sign that. And a guy who hasn't played this or year because he's been hurt is is I, I was on him last year. Barabanov. Barabanov, yeah. 
you're seeing uh, Duclair's already being a healthy scratch over in St. Clair's not good. I'm out on him. <laughs> the Eklund kid, though, he looks good. You know what? He's, he's a young be, prospect. I like his game. They're going to build around him. You know who might want to buy cheap, buy low on Duclair? New York Islanders. That could yeah. be. That could be. I think you a lot of teams could. It's yeah. going to cost nothing. That would be their cheapest way. At a, I think their easiest, cheapest way at a goal scorer. I agree with you. Little Ross. Ross, the GM, the boss. I think it's. A good I know move. Lou listens. So my only, my only thing against it is I feel like some teams when they trade for somebody have like a hesitancy to scratch them. And it's like if you're going to trade for the Claire and think fifty percent outcome is that we just scratch them the rest of the year, great. If you're going to force them in the lineup, maybe not. Yeah. Um, did you um, guys talk about Columbus? We did not. We did not. <laughs> How could we forget the really? Columbus Blue Jackets? Nine to four. Over nine to four last night, but Krill Marchenko Hattie, uh, which we love. Nasty. Yeah, I mean, sick goals. Krill Marchenko. Apparently, Columbus is open to selling anyone at this point. Like Fantilli is obviously not on that list, but Krill Marchenko, I think, would be a tough one to pry. But he would be a fun player on an, on a different team. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a scoring, big scoring winger that like has some flair to his game, has some playmaking. You'd be fun. And then Johnny Goudreau had a sick assist. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw that. No, I think you're going to have to send it to me. Oh, well, essentially what he does is he's standing like on essentially a, like a face-off, the left face-off dot in the zone attacking. Fantilli's behind the net, and he kind of just looks at him and waits for Fantilli to like skate backwards, bounce pass from behind the net to Fantilli, who just has a hole open net. Um, oh. And you see him just kind of pause and like look at Fantilli, oh. and Fantilli just keeps moving. So he pretty much passed the puck right through the trapezoid, like in one end, out the other. Yeah. Oh. And it was it was just like Fantilli was waiting right there. The, the, he couldn't mess it up. You know. You love when the boards oblige uh, there. Right? But it was like one of those plays. Like we hate on Gaudreau a lot because he deserves it. But like when you see that, you're just like, not many guys have that in their game. You know. Like uh, totally. So it was it was a sick play. There was also an epic Johnny Gaudreau meme this week. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> Sabers are dead. Sabres are dead. Sabres are just not good. Like there was no reason for life apparently. Yeah, Donnie Granato is going to be fired at the end of the year, I think. But they're they're a different dead than the Senators. Like, I, I they're should... dead, dead. They're dead, dead. They're yeah. passive dead. The Senators they still have the Senators are like struggling in quicksand, and the harder they work, the deeper they sink. Yeah. And Buffalo is like jumping for life rafts. They're not even. It's not even as annoying because it's like I don't I don't see where it comes from. With the Senators, I do. You know. I could see how they could be a playoff team. Well, they have games in hand, so it helps. But outside Buffalo of the, is, the is, roster is what I'm talking ugly. about, though. Like they could be good. Well, the core is there, you know, and that's what I mean. I we thought think, the same thing think, about Buffalo. I still think Buffalo's core. Like I, I like a lot of that. like I love Cousins. I love uh, we like Krebs. Not lo- not love, but like Krebs. Love yep. Cousins, and obviously the high end scoring with Tage. And they, they've been missing talk. Talk yeah, is their heart and soul, now, but they right? have yeah. been missing. Um, Skinner still looks good, and Darlene is sick. And I, I, I think Owen Power is going to figure it out. He's looked he's like two. early headman. He's looked two. like early headman. Year two. Again, we, I still have the he's issue. Nineteen or twenty years old. It's there's a waiting period on there. I, I hear you guys. I don't. There's the key element missing. He has no mean streak. I just, I go back to headman. Yeah, no, I know, fair. and you, I, I don't remember guy. young headman as well, but like. Did he not like cross check somebody once in his life before this? Before he, he got good, honestly, like he wasn't mean at all. I, I don't think he was. And now he was he's not. He's, he's not mean every game, but like he knows when to turn it on. Obviously, he's got a con. I, I know, but belt. like Owen Power looks like he releases flies out the door. <laughs> like he doesn't own a fly swatter. He owns a little net. Oh, tough criticism from Arm. He, he catches moths and release opens the door and lets them out. Yeah, I haven't seen him like do a cross check. I'm like you're six six defenseman, bro. I know, I know. Clear some bo- clear bodies out. But <sighs> I hear you. I hear you. I, I I want him to be good. He's final, got all the skill. Final think, loose change thoughts, boys. 
Uh, I don't have anything that's not. Uh, I don't have anything too important not to skip. Yeah, I've got a bunch of Rangers Bruins notes. The Predators kind of look good. That's all I'm going to say. They're confusing <laughs> to me. They're confusing. Okay. okay. They're. Uh, it's a weird team to me. I could see them sneaking in the playoffs. I'll spare our listeners a rant about uh, the Bruins Rangers Saturday night game, which had all the ingredients to be a great hockey game, and just neither team showed up, and neither did the crowd. It was sleepy and sad. <laughs> And this it's one just, was in Boston. Or well, yeah, yeah, in Boston. And it's also crazy. You have a Tuesday night game against Minnesota off of, off a of back-to-back. And that was a rowdy barn. It turns into a barn burner, and it's yeah. a lot of fun. Versus Saturday night with the Rangers, it was a sleep fest. So, yep. I don't know. Weird. Yep. It's the schedule, though. It's the national. That's how it goes. Moving on. Absolutely. Moving on, moving on, moving on. Arm uh, Arm deferred his uh, his termite of the week to next week, and then Ross will, will step up and, and deliver if he's ready. Um, I know he's got a big list. So, Ross, termite of the week, moving on to the woodshed. Actually, by the way, Miles last night took an interference penalty, stepped onto the bench, <laughs> ended up – I don't know if it was Bednar or one of the assistants who had to end up telling him. And, and I was listening to him on the radio, so I didn't see the video reaction, but apparently he was pretty puzzled to hear that he got a nice little interference penalty, which apparently was pretty blatant. But, again, I don't I – don't, like I said, I was listening to it in the car, um, so I didn't see the video of it. But Miles, always making Miles moves. It was not his fault. Okay. Never Miles' fault. Somebody got in his way. Yeah, that's Miles' ice. Yeah. <laughs> they should have known where he was going. <laughs> Termite of the week, Jacob Lauko. Jacob Lauko is the nominee. Okay. Uh, eats a puck off the face, then throws down in a fight like the next day after getting the cage off. Uh, third round pick of the Boston Bruins 2018. Checkborn, uh, grinder. He's been, you know, he's played, he's, he's put in his dues in Providence. Never a big goal scorer, but he's a guy again. Doesn't produce on the box score, but the bottom he, six beauty. They talk about him on the they talk about him on the broadcast. He, he he's that termite style. Twenty one games played, zero goals, three assists. <laughs> Dude, mean? oh my god, I can't believe I didn't put this in my notes. This same game, this same Minnesota game where he comes flying out, starts the fight, goes crazy, was body checking everybody. Like just he was the electric factory that got that whole game going. In the middle of this intense play, he fucking went for a Michigan. <laughs> and he almost pulled it off. It hit. It hit Flurry's knob. It hit Flurry's knob as Flurry went post to post. And if not for the knob, I thought. I thought he just mashed it on the crossbar. If not for the knob, he would have put that in, and he would have been on every highlight reel. That would have been pretty funny. Second goal of the year. First goal. Thirty. Of the year. First, first goal. Of the year. Thirty first goal games in. First goal of the year. Absolutely. And like you know, I'm not the biggest Michigan guy, and like I don't like the hot dogging and this and that. But for Lauko to pull, like it was just. He was electric, and I've I've liked him for a bit. Um, he's been struggling to kind of get into the lineup on these deeper Bruins teams, and now that they don't have the depth, he's he's definitely fighting and earning his ice time. Which, you know, maybe his teammate that wears a number twenty points <coughs> there can oh, yeah, here get it some cues from. All right, end of termite of the week. Jacob Blacko, he's the nominee. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, termite of the week. Alex is on deck, and then I will go after the new year. Um, always, al- always fighting for Rohan. Jacob Blauko. Moving on to Saturday picks. I blew it this week. I'll I'll, I'll own it. My uh, my <sighs> Oilers. Fuck! Are, did you ever blow it? My Oilers. Uh, they took a little bit of a shit, and uh, it was not great. So I, I will own it. But what that means for me is I am picking last. Alex and Ross are tied at six and three. Alex, <coughs> excuse me. It is your pick. Okay. So first off, when looking at the slate, this is not my pick, but. I would love to pick the under in the Hurricanes-Islanders game, whatever it is, but I'm not picking that because that's an over-under. 
But th- that's going to be a one nothing. <laughs> Watch it not be. Don't actually bet that. Um, I'm going to go here with... Oh, would have uh, been a clean Michy, too. He found the clip. Yeah. I'm going to go with a team that's kind of been struggling, but returning from the West Coast. Uh, let me just confirm. Yeah, they got to have a day off. I'm going Panthers over the Golden Knights. Now, it is a matinee. Oh, you went matinee, bro. Maybe this is the bad call, but Panthers are returning from a tough West Coast road trip. Take on the Knights. Dude, the first night back from the road trip, they all, you know, empty the testis and don't have the legs. Well, we're going with it. It's my pick. FLA, Florida Panthers over the Golden Knights. Two o'clock start central, one eastern. Interesting pick, Ross. You're on the deck. You're on the clock. Don't like that army. Fuck, fuck you guys. Um, I, I'm, I'm eyeballing two games here. Dun, 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 go Sens, go. Oh, Senators, Senators <laughs> hosting the Penguins. I knew that game was calling you. NHL Network game. Uh, so you're going to get that lovely NHL spotlight where the announcers are in Secaucus, New Jersey for a game in Ottawa. That'll be fun. Um Hey, you know, hockey night in Canada up north um, sends to beat the Penguins. The Penguins suck, and uh, this is a gotta-have-it game for for the Sens. I'm I'm digging my grave, but uh, that's that's the deal. Uh, sends over Pens. Interesting, not surprising, but interesting. Go what? Go Sens, go! <laughs> I love it. Lightning beating the Capitals in Washington, six o'clock start. I like what the Lightning have been doing. I love what the the Kucherov train has been bringing. I this think. is such. A, I was looking at this game. I'm gonna fade. Our, I'm gonna fade the Parlow. I'm gonna go both ways. And One of the most interesting picks is picking Lightning over Capitals. Here, I, I was. I, I was eyeballing the game. I was gonna go Caps. I was thinking about that too, but then I was like, that seems bad. As long <laughs> as uh, no, uh, both teams don't play on Friday night. As long as Dazzy's on uh, in net, uh, I feel a little bit better about it. They are. Well, Lightning just played are two at, games last night. Lightning are at home. Versus Golden Knights, yeah, I would seriously. hope that uh, shots. if the backup gets that one and then Vazzy gets the nice rest on Friday, he'll be ready to go Saturday night versus the Caps. I'm gonna fade. I'm gonna fade this too. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna chuck Great it on both. I'm gonna. Ch- I'm gonna chuck it both ways. I'm gonna chuck it both ways. I'm gonna fade. And obviously it'll You're be a hedging. split. And I'll You're lose hedging. both. No, I'm not hedging. I'm doubling down basically. Yeah. It'll have to be a sweep in either direction to cash in, and I'll probably lose both because I'm a mush. <laughs> this Lightning. Caps game is one of the most interesting picks I've seen. Like, I look at the whole slate every Saturday. This one in particular, I was like, what do I even? <laughs> you got a team that can't score versus a team that gives up all the goals and scores all the goals. Hey. Like, you have opposites attracting, and the Lightning should be better, but it's in Washington. <laughs> and that's where I think the Lightning will get a little bit of the of hopeful underdog money line, and uh, maybe it makes a little juice, but we'll see. We'll see. I think uh, – Sends pens might have the, the most fun, most juice there, but uh, to be determined, to be determined indeed. Fucking sends, man. Boys. We, we got to figure it out. Boys, uh, phenomenal pod, phenomenal episode. Final closing thoughts before we close her out. I got nothing. Yeah, I got nothing either. Should be a good week here. Excellent. Well, if you uh, if you guys are appreciating the content, liking what we've uh, what we've been posting, feel free to hit that like and subscribe button just below this video. Um, and come go check out our beautiful faces. We're on YouTube for a reason. Come come look at the boys. Come look at the studio. Come look at uh, uh, the December figures as we transition towards the spring throughout the season. So we'll see how the figures are looking. But 
Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of Slotshot Podcast. Follow the boys at Slotshot Podcast on Instagram. Follow Ross at Rusty Pedroia. Follow Armdog at Armdog underscore SS. Follow me at Siffyman on Twitter. We appreciate the love. We appreciate the support. We'll see you guys on the 27th for our next pod before the new year. A lot of fun happenings. World Junior, as I, World Juniors, as I said, kicks off the day before. Uh, fun happenings. Alex, we know you'll be traveling. Alex, or Ross and I will be as well, but we'll be in the States. So we'll see what happens for next episode, but we'll be there. We'll be ready, and we're excited to talk hockey. Maybe maybe some potential guest hosts next week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ross has been teasing something. That's all I'm going to say. We'll see. We'll see. That's all I'm going to say. Not confirmed. Tune in next week. Well, for everyone out there. Have a happy Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy holidays. We appreciate the love and support, and we'll see you guys next week.